Praise God. So God's good. God's good. We are, we are living in exciting times. Um, I know we, we see in the world, we see events that are happening. Uh, but the good news is that you are the elect of the Lord. You are the special kingdom of God in the earth. So what's happening outside in the world has, has no implication to you because you are of Goshen. You are in a separate place, actually in a bubble by itself. You interact with the world, but you are not of the world. And Jesus was very clear on that. So, so we are, we, the church has a very clear mandate and a plan that God has for you. And you're on a, your church is on a different track compared to what the world does, right? Sometimes when the church behaves as if it's in the world and the destinies of the church is linked to the destinies of the world, it's, it's not right. It might appear as that, but like what's affecting them is also affecting us, but it's not meant to be. We are, we are in a separate kingdom. That's why Jesus says, I bestow on you a kingdom, just as the Father has bestowed on me. Wow. So he's saying the same kingdom he's now bestowing. Bestowing is a very strong word. It's like, I give you the kingdom. Bestow is like a huge word. It's like you inherit this kingdom. And, and so we are living in exciting times. So, okay, but let's pray before we get into the word. Father, we come before your throne of grace. We thank you for the word that you're going to share through the Holy Spirit today to us as a small group master. Father, let this word bear much fruit in our lives and in the lives of the people all who hear this word all throughout the world. We thank you, Lord, because you're a good father and, a, and you have prepared good things for your children and for the church of God on the earth. And let that our eyes of our understanding and our, our ears be opened to the revelation of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Uh, last time we shared about a very powerful message. I, 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 I so strongly believe that that is completely Holy Spirit ordained. It is called the sinless place. I have not heard it preached before, but it is a total revelation. And we are, we are so privileged to be able to hear that from God. Where are the, so one, in the, well, a couple of weeks back, I was sharing the same message with one, of, one evangelist. You know? And he's like, where did he hear this? You know, who told you this? I said, no, we, the Holy Spirit showed it to us. He's like, it makes sense, you know, because it's powerful, the, your sinless place. You know, um, so I want you to go back and meditate on that because it's a very powerful truth. In essence, uh, it's there on the website, on livingthevictory.org, Guru is sinless place. I mean, there's a lot of material on that, uh, but I don't have a transcript. Maybe sometime in the future, we'll put some transcripts out. But I want you to meditate on that fact that we, the body of Jesus Christ, have meditated so much on the spirit and the soul part of our salvation, but not the body part of our salvation. But the body part of the salvation was also purchased for us on the cross. Correct? And we, we are waiting for a new body. That is true. But there is a salvation of our existing body while we are just like the body of Jesus Christ and we are in that day today, right? Saturday technically. We, we are what is today? What feast are we celebrating today? Yesterday was Passover. I know it's not physically the Passover. The Jewish Passover was a few days. But technically the day of Jesus' death was the day of Passover. The Passover lamb was sacrificed. Correct? So the next day, what feast was they celebrating? 
the day of unleavened bread. See, what was the day? The day of unleavened bread is that uh, they were celebrating a body without sin. So while they were celebrating unleavened bread outside, what was happening in Jesus' tomb? There was a body without leaven, without sin, being going through corruption or not going through corruption. Ah, isn't that a beautiful revelation? That the church of Jesus Christ, while it is on the earth, where has Jesus received the new body yet? No, it is just the second day. So we are still on the earth, not received the new body. But is there a miracle happening in the tomb? Yes. What is the miracle? The miracle of no corruption. That's powerful. See, the devil has hit that truth from the body of Jesus Christ. Correct? Because that truth has direct application to the church. Why? The church is the body of Jesus Christ. By attributing that uh, thing, uh, virtue only to Jesus, you're robbing your right of being partaking of the two virtues of that body in the two. What are the two virtues? One? No decay. Huh? No decay. No decay. But before that, the most important virtue. That body? No death. No decay is no death. It's all, it's part because death is corruption, right? Because you're dead, is that's why you start decaying. It. <laughs> no, but what, what are the most important uh, 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 quality of that body in the tomb? It is resting, yeah, it's resting. That's a good point. That's a good point because it's resting. The church is resting, but very important. We are celebrating the feast of? Correct. No sin. You see, no sin is the most important feast. That church, the body of Jesus Christ has no sin. You see, that almost sounds sacrilegious to say that. But the Bible is very clear. The church has no sin. Has not been preached for a long time, but now has been starting to be preached all over the world. That the church is without sin. We are the body of unleavened bread. In fact, Paul said, we studied that last time, he told the Corinthian church, let us, <laughs> of all the churches, he tells them to keep the feast of unleavened bread, is the Corinthian church. He says, don't you know that you are unleavened? Hold it. The Corinthian church. Unleavened. I mean, of all the churches, I can understand if he said that to the Philadelphia church or he said to the, not to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was like in promiscuity and all kinds of evil. But Paul is saying, no, don't you know you are unleavened? Because now you are not part of, you are a body of Jesus Christ and you are without leaven. Why is this so important? Because if there is no sin in this body, then there is no death. There you go, John. See, that is the root. Where there is sin is, there there is death. If there is no sin, there is no death. So your body is without sin. So do you believe that your the church is without sin? Yes. Has not been preached, but it is true. Go back and read Hebrews chapter 10. Worshippers once purified shall have no more consciousness of sin. Paul goes through verse after verse in Hebrews chapter 10 to tell you that this one sacrifice has sanctified us forever. 
the context is sanctified us from sin if that is not enough first john chapter 4 or 5 five actually goes the whole chapter saying that he was born of god does not sin wow he go first john is john is like very clear you cannot say that you are with sin because you are not without sin because if you are if you say you are with sin you make christ a liar because that means you are saying that the body of jesus christ has sin no hold it does the body of jesus christ have sin no colossians says you are the body of jesus christ so how do you reconcile that fact that the body of jesus christ does not have sin but you have sin one can, only one is right either the body of jesus christ does not have sin or it has sin make up your mind does the body of jesus christ have sin does the church have sin no ah good this is a strong group because <laughs> you got your doctrine right right but is what we do lawless act doesn't matter doesn't matter because it is not imputed to you because it has been paid up it's cleared it's cleansed it's removed it, the bible doesn't say in the new covenant he forgives your sin he the bible says he's put away your sin there's a putting away that has happened putting away is Bible says Jesus says I will remember their sins no more so it's not like I just forgive your sins while I remember all your sins you know but I've forgiven them <laughs> you know how does how do you feel to stand before somebody who knows all your faults hmm any hmm <laughs> but I've forgiven you okay <laughs> does it help does it help You want to know when you stand before this God, He doesn't see your sins. He is doesn't remember your sins. He's put it away. The Bible says He's put away sins. Put away sins is different from forgive sins. Put away sins is put away. Means as how far? Oh, that I mean of 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 one in physics, there is one measurement that cannot be measured. all of the measurements there you can measure you cannot measure east from the west <laughs> you just can't measure east from the west you cannot I mean, how far can you go to measure east from the west i mean how, when will you stop where do you stop i mean it doesn't even have a boundary and god uses that for your sins because he wants to make an absolute point that the body of jesus christ is in a sinless place ah that's a hard doctrine but is the truth doctrine and that is the reason why the church people die why does the church suffer sickness because the root of all sickness and disease and everything is sin when you are conscious of sin you are conscious of death and sickness you attract that not because you are eligible for it but you attract it because no you are not conscious of the righteousness of jesus body the unleavened bread part of it so he said now you keep the feast of unleavened bread that means you start believing that you are sinless correct what is the advantage you start to live longer corruption is delayed in your life to the extent that the generation before jesus comes there will be a generation that will remain and not die that's promised by jesus christ why because in that time the revelation of the sinless place of jesus body of jesus christ is becoming good and become so strong that in fact jesus was told john he said he told peter when peter said 
if uh, I wish that he, he Peter asked uh, uh, Jesus towards the end, John chapter, the last chapter, he said, he told him, he told Peter how he is going to die. Told him, when you were young, you, want, you went wherever you wanted, but when you're old, they will stretch out your hands and they will take you to where you do not want to go. And he said, he's indicating by what kind of death he will glorify God. Correct? So very clear with Peter, he said, you're going to die as a martyr, crucified. Immediately, Peter had a question about John. Because John was, like, John was following very closely with Peter, uh, with uh, Jesus. See, very closely in the love of God, in the love of Jesus. Uh, John was boasting about not his love for Jesus, but John was boasting in God's love for him. That's what our church is coming to a revelation right now in this last days, where we are more conscious of the love of God for us rather than our love for Jesus. Correct? The church has been preaching a long time saying we need to love God. We need to serve Him. We need to pay the price. We need to suffer for Him. I agree. There is a point to it. But Jesus says, oh, this is beautiful. The other day, just this week, I was having my quiet time and there was a verse in the Bible where a woman in the synagogue cried out with a loud voice. When Jesus was around, said, bless this, the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. Right? Jesus immediately said, but more blessed is he who hears the word and keeps it. What word is he? The word of Jesus Christ as a giver. See, you are more blessed to receive. Than, in fact, look at Donovan. He said, Jesus said once when they were disputing among who is the greatest of them all. He put a child in the middle and he said, you, un, unless you be as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God. He said, he wants to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Let him be the servant of all. So let me ask you a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ. Isn't it? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ. So just by that definition, who is the servant of all? Jesus. Just Jesus' own definition. So Jesus, that is why in Revelation, stands with a golden shaft around him because he said, I am, am, though I am greater than all, but I am amongst you as one who serves. You see the thing? So he said it's, it's blessed. In fact, when Martha was serving Jesus and Mary was receiving from Jesus, who, who did Jesus say has chosen the better part? See? Good. Everywhere it matches. It's more As women, do you want to be the one who knows Jesus? Yeah. I mean, that's a great privilege that you were able to know the Son of God. Right? What a privilege. I mean, can you have a greater, can you do a greater service to God than actually nursing the child of God? You can't do. But Jesus says, but more blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it. That means he, the word of God, the word of the gospel. That means receiving from Jesus Christ. Right? We have come to a place where we boast more about the, our love for God. We have come to a place where we more boast about God's love for us than our love for God. And we have come to that level. We need to come where we depend and we boast in it and we marinate it in it and live in it. Amen? And we do that 
we'll come to a place where we will not, I know this might sound funny, but you, you will come to a place where you will not die. I mean, you're coming, that this generation is going to come where there'll be a generation that will not die. Where Jesus will come and we'll be raptured. You knew that it happened in the old covenant. There were people who did not die. You know who? Not uh, Enoch. Enoch walked with God. Walked with God. And Elijah didn't die. Didn't die. They were conscious about God's love for them. Never died. Let me tell you, what did Enoch do for God? <laughs> of all the people who should have been eligible for this special privilege of being raptured, should be at least some more sentences about that guy. <laughs> what does that show? What does that show? It's not about what he did. It's what about what he enjoyed with this great God. And which under the old covenant. There's no thing, nothing. We don't know what Enoch did. But he got raptured. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Do you want to do the easy stuff or not? God has been trying to get this across to Israel. Israel failed. Israel was very hard and stubborn because Israel wanted to do stuff. You got the problem? And they stumbled at that time. When they wanted to do stuff, they stumbled. Right? Now the church wants to do the same problem. Church is in the same problem. Church wants to do stuff for God. Jesus says, just sit down and enjoy me. Let me serve you. Why? Because when I serve you, you will bear a lot of fruit. And that fruit is going to be so overwhelming that people will be attracted to that. Right? Don't go around, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. I want to do this. I want to pay the price. Hold it. The last time somebody said, I want to pay the price. The guy was, before the night was over, he denied him three times. He said, I will go to death. Hold it. Not just death. And to prison. For you. Jesus, uh, Peter said, I will go to death and to prison for you. Jesus said, you know, you're, going, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> can just get out of this gate without denying me that would be like a big deal for me you know but but having said that Jesus never condemned him because the Bible said Satan has asked me asked for you to sift you as wheat but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail correct but when you return strengthen your brother see what is faith the faith is you believe in my love for you so when you fail because now you're not going to go to prison or to death, correct? Now when you get disappointed and you stop thinking that, you know what, does Jesus still love me? You, I have prayed that you will remember that I still love you. What is faith? Faith is believing that God loves you. That's faith. So Jesus prayed for Peter that his faith will not fail. Means what? Jesus prayed for Peter that Peter will not Will not, will not not believe that I still love him. Because if, I, if he does not believe that I still love him, he will be destroyed. Just like who got destroyed? Judas. Judas didn't believe that Jesus can love him after what he did in terms of betraying him. He didn't believe it. 
But Peter believed his love, and I'll show it to you very fast. So good. So that was just last time's message, and we just and, and Milu keeps telling me this. Don't revise last time's message. Okay, just go into the new message right away because you don't have time. But that's how the warm-up is because you know what's going on. And many of you have never read the notes, right? <laughs> I know that because I don't read the notes. <laughs> so it's good for you to revise and come back to a point where the sinless place. Amen? Are you excited about the sinless place? God is good. Okay. But before I go into the sinless place, I promised you that I will, from this day onwards, I mean from last life team onwards, every life team, I will share with you something about our coming rapture of Jesus, of the church. I want you to know because the coming of the church of uh, the rapture of the church of God, uh, church of Jesus Christ is very close, right? It's not being preached as much. I mean, a lot of the churches are starting to preach about it, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, there is nothing more to look forward into this world except the revealing of the Son of God from heaven. Amen? It's happening soon, and you better get excited because that is the next big event that's happening. And you know, we are so blessed because we are in that generation that will see Jesus Christ come. You, we are so excited and it is going to happen. So I'm going to, every lifetime I'm going to share, starting with some part, I'll show you pictures of the rapture hidden all across the Bible. There's so many. In fact, there's, there are so many that I'm like, where, where, do I, where do I start? It's just so many of them, so many of them. There's a lot of them. But I'll share with you one thing. But, but before that, remember we shared about the coming Revelation 12 sign that is happening in September 23rd, right? We share. I want you to go back to the videos and look at it. There's a very important sign that's really happening. The odds of that happening are very low, but it's happening. And it exactly matches what's ha uh, in timeline of the Church of Jesus Christ, correct? So you should know this. The rapture is a fulfillment of the grace of God. I want you to remember this. Rapture is a fulfillment of the grace of God. Just as God has redeemed you and saved you from sin and sickness and death, He is going to redeem you from all evil in the world before the wrath of God is poured out on the world. It's just a continuation of Yeshua's salvation. He is going to protect you and keep you. So the rapture is just the logical next step in God protecting you from all evil. Amen? So, but the sequence is very clear. First the church gets raptured. Then God turns back to Israel. Because remember, Israel has still not accepted Yeshua. Not the Jews who accepted Jesus. The Jews who accepted Jesus, they have a name. You know what are they called? No. They're just called Christians. <laughs> Christ Jesus, correct? So the Jews who accepted Jesus are called? Christians. Duh! <laughs> you know? But you know they call themselves. Yeah, you can call them. I, I am a, I am, I'm called a Mandu Christian. <laughs> it doesn't change anything. You know, I mean, you can call a Telugu Christian and, you know, whatever. You can call all kinds of white Christian, black Christian, you know, all kinds of Christian. Who cares? And you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's going to change anything. In fact, I don't think God is colorblind, but he's got a sense of humor <laughs> in terms of 
the spectrum that is created. But he likes it. He's the coat of many colors, right? But one coat, but many colors, right? But so, so the church is rapture. Doesn't matter whether it's Jew, Gentile, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian, doesn't matter. Everybody. We're just going on. It's all one body, right? The one body of Jesus Christ gets raptured. Didn't it happen with the body of Jesus Christ? Correct? Didn't Jesus' body also get raptured? Did it not get raptured? Think about it. Think about it. What happened to the body of Jesus Christ should also happen to the church. Correct? Because we were crucified with Jesus Christ. Correct? He did not die for his sins. He died for our sins. So when Jesus died, he, God put us in him and we died. Correct? That's what the baptism, when we do water baptism, we are actually sy symbolizing that fact, that we die. Right? And it's important for you to know that you die. Because you don't constantly, every day, want to still die. You know, I'm like, all our language, and all, I'm dying for this piece of cake. And I'm dying. Hold on, your death is done, man. 2,000 years back, you die, one for all. You can, dead people don't die again. <laughs> Just the logic. Dead people don't die again. If you don't want to die more, it's too late. If you accepted Jesus, you died. Over. Game over. You can. You might think you're dying, but really you cannot die anymore. Jesus is very clear. In fact, when you, if you physically die right now, the Bible, the Bible does has a problem with the believers dying. You know, you know it has a problem. So it doesn't know what to do. So it uses the word what? Sleep. In fact, Jesus had the problem. So Jesus said, Lazarus is fallen asleep. So the disciples said, Let us go. Let him rest. Right? So, and then Jesus said, okay, okay, I don't think they're getting it. Right? Because Jesus doesn't want to use the word death. But yet, if he doesn't use the word death, they will think that he is only sleeping. So when he wakes up, it's no big deal. Lazarus was sleeping for three days or four days and woke up, you know. And he smelled. Right? And he smelled. <laughs> and he didn't smell actually, right? So, so Jesus had the problem. He had to use an earthly word for death, but the guy is not dead. He's asleep. Right? See, that's the challenge. That's why when Paul said, I put away my tent, you know, Peter says, I put away my tent, my tabernacle, I mean, I sleep. You know, they use all kinds of words because they can't use the same word. See, because it's not the same phenomena that happens when an unbeliever dies. An unbeliever really dies. When you sleep, that same phenomena is not the same phenomena. And you know that people who come back from uh, dying, they come back and say that they were never even felt anything. They just saw the body and they were like, who is that body down there? There's so many documented experiences, so many. It's not even funny. There's so many. You know, in fact, it's, it's a now established science of uh, life after death. But they call it, but we know what's happened. But actually, look at what the body of Jesus Christ. Did the body of Jesus Christ get raptured? Was it the same body that reappeared with, uh, with, uh, in in the you know, after Jesus' resurrection? Was it the same body that got raptured, or was it a different body? It's the same body, but it was also a different body, isn't it? That body got translated. Correct? It was not like God disposed of that body. Yeah? Like, disposed of that body and gave Jesus a new body. No, it didn't happen. 
Why? Because when the disciples went back into the tomb, they saw what? They saw the linen clothes lying by itself with a face cloth folded by itself in its place. Right? It's beautiful. It's a picture. But the body was not there. Why, was, why does God need the human body of Jesus Christ? He needed that to rapture it. This is exactly what the church is going to happen. The existing body will be translated, but it will get raptured. And then, he appears back in the glorified body. Amen? So exactly what's going to happen with the church. The body of Jesus Christ is going to get raptured, and then God will deal with Israel. And Israel on the earth will go through seven years of struggles. Right? Three years of uh, uh, the wrath of God, but three years of uh, tribulation, and they start struggling, and they cry out for the first time to Yeshua. See, they cry out always to Elohim. They never cried out to Yeshua Mashiach. They always cried out to Elohim as Elohim who will save them, but they never cried out as Yeshua, who is who God had sent to the earth to save them. Remember Jesus said, I wish I had gathered you as hen gathers under. He's talking about physical protection. He was really not talking about, he was talking about eternal security, but he's also talking about physical. He said, but they cry out. And when they cry out, and that is in Zechariah, and we'll go through chapters, we'll not go this life thing, but some other life thing. And they cry out and God shows up, Jesus shows up in Jerusalem and fights the enemies of Israel. Amen? So now, the 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 focus shifts to Israel, but we are the church is already raptured with Jesus Christ, correct? And you see this distinction throughout the Bible. Church raptured, God deals with Israel. Church raptured, God deals with Israel. Church raptured, God deals with Israel. Because Israel is waiting for signs. The church is not waiting for signs. The church believed the word of God and received the gospel, correct? But Israel said, no sign shall be given to you until Except the sign of Jonah. What was the sign of Jonah? So the physical sign that was given to all of Jerusalem was that Jesus died and rose again. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. So that was given to both a believer and a non-believer. Amen? That was given to both believer and unbeliever. So that sign was given. Correct? But so guess what happened? So oh, this is very powerful. So after the church is raptured, two witnesses show up in Israel. And these two witnesses start preaching the gospel to the Jews. Correct? Because these are Jewish prophets. Because we know from the Bible they are prophets. Who are these? Most likely Moses and Elijah. Right? The law and the prophets. The Bible says the law and the prophets, they testify about me. And you are not willing to receive their testimony. So that's why the witnesses are called, they are called witnesses. Witnesses means witnessing and testifying of the things that they have seen. How can they testify of things that they have seen? Unless they have actually seen something. What did they see? Moses saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration as the glorified Son of God. Elijah saw Jesus as Yeshua Mashiach, the son of God, on the Mount of Transfiguration. So when Moses and Elijah show up in Israel, they can confidently say, 
you know that you believe in the law and the prophets, right? Moses represents the law, Elijah represents the prophets. But we can testify to you that this Yeshua of Nazareth is truly Son of God because we witnessed it in Israel. And they show up. And they will do signs and wonders. The Bible says they will bring fire down from earth. Exactly like Elijah did. They will uh, turn the water into blood. Exactly like Moses did. Right? So it all matches. And they start. Because the enemies are not so frightened. Because the world is already afraid of Israel. Correct? But Israel today is very proud about its security. Why? Correct. Because they are very confident in their own military strength. Correct? They depend on their own strength. So, the Bible says, just like Jacob struggled with the angel in his strength. That's another picture of the rapture. The Bible says, Jacob, after his uh, socket was touched, he struggled with the angel for a period of time. That is Jacob's trouble of seven years. When he cried out and asked for favor, God received him. So the struggle that Jacob went is the struggle that Israel will go through till they come back and say, Lord, we struggled in our strength and all the nations are surround us. They're getting ready to surround Israel, right? You can already see them positioned all around Israel. But now Israel is very boastful about their peace and security because they know nobody can trust them because they have nuclear weapons. But they are, the world is going to come against Israel and Israel is going to cry out when they realize that nobody can save them. And then these two witnesses will share saying that Yeshua is the Messiah. Right? And they will protect Israel for a time until the Antichrist will kill these two witnesses. And their bodies will lie in the streets of Jerusalem for? Three days. Why? Because remember Israel wanted a sign. Jesus said, no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. That, see, they want a sign. Israel wants a sign. A dramatic sign. So God gives them the only sign that Jesus said. God is not going to give them any other sign. They still, this is so great. I mean, I can already feel my chills. He said, it's so powerful. He said, when Jesus gave the sign in Jerusalem and died, and was rose again after three days, did they believe that sign? No, right? So does God come back and give them a different sign? No. God says, back to square one! <laughs> this is so good. God says, they're going to die again! They will, they will be on the streets of Jerusalem for three days. And after three days, they will be resurrected in the sight of all men. Will you believe? Because you still have to believe that sign. Then, guess what? Israel will? Israel will believe. And when Israel believes that sign, the Bible says there's a huge earthquake that happens in Jerusalem. And Yeshua appears. Jesus appears on the Mount of Olives. The mountain of olives is split into two from the east to the west. And water starts flowing and God destroys the armies of the Antichrist. Oh man. This is amazing. Are we the saints that come back with him to do that? When he finds his dude on the mountain? No, he fights his own battle. The Bible says he himself will tread the grapes of wrath. Okay. Because he himself. 
He doesn't need any one of my help. Right? But then we come along with him to establish the kingdom of God. We come. He went once he finished, but he does his battle. The Bible says, who is he whose robes are stained with blood and coming out of Edom? Wow, it's like a picture of Jesus coming out of Saudi Arabia, destroying all the enemies. Oh, what a powerful sign. With his robes clothed in blood. That is why in Revelation you see uh, Jesus on the white horse, but always Jesus is always with white dress. But in that vision, it says Jesus is robes are in red because it's a fulfillment of this prophecy that he's coming to fight on behalf of Israel against the enemies of Israel but before he can do that they have to receive and cry out to Yeshua HaMashiach and he said you shall not see me unless you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord they still have to do that and they will do that that's a picture of Jacob's trouble where he struggled in his first, he struggled in his strength. But then, the angel touched his socket. That is Jacob's trouble starting. See, God didn't destroy Jacob. You see that picture? He allowed him to struggle. What is the angel, which was Jesus Christ in that picture? That picture is Jesus Christ. What was, the, what was God looking for Jacob? Jacob? God is saying, Jacob, stop struggling in your strength. Cry out to me and ask for favor. Do you know this, this, whole, uh, this whole interpretation of that evening, that what happened, is not found in Genesis, but it is found in a very different book. And that passage has been uh, preached and mispreached, and you kind of take all kinds of implications out of that. That whole passage is about the coming tribulation of Israel. Did you know that? Okay, I want you to go to the book of Haggai, Hosea, Hosea. I was sharing with Sushil the other day when he had called me on the phone. It's such a powerful book, Hosea. I want you all to read Hosea. Hosea is a powerful book. Okay, look at this. Hosea, see, Hosea, the prophet is Hosea, is God speaking through the prophet Hosea and saying, Israel, look at me. Look at me, Israel. I want you all to look at me also. He <laughs> <laughs> said, Israel, 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 just look at me. Look at me. This is what God is telling Israel. Just look at me. Stop struggling. Stop struggling. Just, just ask. Just ask. Come to me with words. Just, just don't. Stop struggling. Just come to me with words. Okay? Just, just, you know, just hold it. Okay? Just ask. What do you want? What do you want? You want favor, right? Just ask. Jacob, no. He wouldn't ask. He wants to struggle. God says, just stop. Now, look at this. This picture. This is, now, who do you believe? A man's report of what that happened? Or God's report of what that happened? You always read the Genesis account is of what man saw what happened, correct? Oh, do you want to know what God saw what happened that evening? Oh, this is so powerful. Okay, I want you to go. Go to Hosea chapter 2. Okay, let's read Hosea chapter uh, 11, 12 is the continuation, but I won't, I will not take 11 and 12, but let's go here. Uh, yeah, Hosea chapter 11. Now this talks about Israel in the current state. Uh, how the Assyrian, remember the word Assyrian in the Bible always refers to Satan. It's a, it's a, it's a Satan, Assyrian, the Assyrian. Uh, Sen Senacherub. He is a classic picture of Satan. 
operating in a principality on the earth. But it's a picture of Assyrian coming against Israel. The Assyrian is Satan. Satan always. We even studied about in Isaiah chapter 10. We talked about the Assyrian and God talking to the Assyrian. He's talking about Satan. Correct? Now look at uh, Hosea chapter 11. And I want you to read that. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And they came and they went. But they, they sacrificed to Baals and they burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk. You know, Sushil was sharing in the worship time. He said, in the Old Testament, you see God making excuses to love his people. Here you see that tender feeling of how God is. He's, Ephraim is my child. I taught him how to walk. See, you don't see a picture of God of judgment in this, isn't it? Because God is trying to get to get a point to Israel. He's saying, Israel, stop struggling. I'm your father. See, I, it's so hard for Israel to receive that. Israel wants to work, right? Look at the picture. He shall uh, said, uh, I drew him with gentle cords, with bands of love. I was to them as one who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. Oh wow. Look at how beautiful the picture of God with Israel is. He is like that now with us, his people, his children, right? Okay, keep reading. He shall not return to the land of Egypt. He will not return to the land of Egypt because I brought him out of Egypt, correct? But look at what the problem is. Because they would not receive Jesus as their master, as their king. But the Assyrian shall be his king. So Satan was their king because they refused to repent. And the sword shall slash. And, you know, destruction continues. My people were bent on backsliding from me. And they, they, though they call on the Most High, none shall exalt him. How shall I? But then, since God has a problem. Say, how shall I give you up, Ephraim? <laughs> I mean, how can, how can I just give you up? How can I just give you up? How can I hand you over Israel? How can I make you like Adama? These are Gentile nations that God destroyed. Adama. How can I make you like Zebulun? Like God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But Israel did worse. But God wouldn't give them up. Isn't that cool? That's the love of God. He said, how can I just give you up? I know you, you, you don't want me. But I, I can't give you up. It's like a father's heart to his child. Amazing. Look at the picture. My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of anger. See, the Lord demands that God punish sin. Isn't it? God demands that the wrath of punishment be poured out. But he says, I will not execute it. See, again, the social was national. God is finding a reason to not find. So he's like, <laughs> he mentioned about this verse. You know, God instituted cities of refuge in Israel. This was like anybody committed a crime. But if you run to one of these cities of refuge, you couldn't be punished. More than that, when you went to the cities of refuge, the Levites, they would be fed and they would be taken care more than the other cities. <laughs> so murderer in a city of refuge is more blessed than a law-abiding citizen in another city. That's a picture of the grace of Jesus Christ. He's saying, picture is run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Stay in the city. Right? Okay. And we can go on with rabbit trails all over. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. See, I'm not going to destroy Israel because I am God. I mean, if we were, we would use the same word. I am God. I will destroy you. I'm not a man. Once I say something, it will happen. 
Look at how God uses that word. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. <laughs> this is so amazing. This is look at the picture. How misunderstood our concept of God is. We think of God as so shall it be written, so shall it be done. Die. <laughs> that's how we think of God. But God says that's that sounds like a man. <laughs> sits of heaven is like that sounds like man they are cruel man <laughs> see that's how, how but God Satan what he did is he interposed that what he does on, on God you see that picture how evil Satan is I'm not I'm not mad <laughs> did you ever read this verse passage ever like this in that yeah. context man this is your God remember when the, the uh, demon uh, the uh, demon of Gadaris is, right? When he came to Jesus, now this demon is speaking through this man, right? And because there's such a big multitude that is gathered, so the demon speaks out to create a bad impression about Jesus. So he says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us before? Have you come to destroy me before? Destroy us before the time. So he's making to appear Jesus as one who would destroy people. Ah, because Satan is very smart. He masquerades. So he's speaking through that guy, right? So he's making Jesus appear as the one who would come to destroy. Jesus cast the demon out. And then the man came. Right? See that picture? Satan appearing as evil, as harsh. And making God as being very harsh. For I am God and not man. The Holy One in your midst. That is Yeshua. Yeshua is always called the Holy One of Israel. And I will not come with terror. Look at that. I will not come with terror. They shall walk after the Lord and he will roar like a lion. When he roars, his sons will come trembling from the west. This is what's going to happen when Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives and he roars as a lion. You know this roar is mentioned in Revelation when the lion roars and seven thunders roar out. And he's, John is just about to start writing. And the angel says, don't write. Because that roar is meant for his sons to come from far. It's a very powerful picture. It's, all, it's a picture of the after the wrath when he's going coming for Israel. Isn't this picture, pa passage is all about Israel? Correct? He says, when, when I stand and roar, my sons will come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like a bird from Egypt, like a dove from the land of Assyria. I will let them dwell in their own houses and the millennium kingdom of God will start on the earth. Correct? Now, verse, uh, chapter, uh, verse 12. Ephraim has encircled me with lies and the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah still walks with God, even with the Holy One who is in a faithful. Ephraim feeds on the wind. Feeds on the wind means Israel... Ephraim is a picture of Israel. Ephraim is the, they use the word Ephraim because Ephraim is the, the largest tribe in Israel. So it's like Judah and Israel, Ephraim. It's called as a representation of Israel. They say Ephraim feeds on the wind. That means you're depending. You're, can you eat wind? You're not satisfied, right? So Israel's actions are like feeding on wind. They're trying to be satisfied, but they can't be satisfied. Correct? And Israel, uh, Judah still walks with the Lord, even with the Holy One who is faithful. Okay, and Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind. He's, he, he daily increases lies and desolation and also makes a covenant with the Assyrians, that is Satan. 
and oil is carried to Egypt. See, because oil is carried to Egypt is a picture that because Israel is not wanting Yeshua, oil is carried to Israel. Oil is the picture of prosperity. So you're not prosperous. Make sense? So when you depend on your own strength, you don't want to be prosperous because Yeshua is the one who makes you prosperous. Correct? Then, Israel also, the Lord also brings a charge against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his deeds. He will recompense him. Now, look at this. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. Who is he talking about? Jacob. Correct? Now, look at this. This is, this is God saying the incident from his point of view. Isn't that cool? When you want to know what God is thinking about this whole event, about J, J, uh, the birth of Jacob. We have studied that he took the heel. But look at look at God's understanding of what happened. The inside track of what really happened there, right? He took his brother by the heel in the womb. And look at this. In his strength, he struggled with... Hold it. For the first time, he understood what was going there. He was struggling in his strength with... But do, now we know who the angel was. Correct. See, so that also clear. There you think it was an angel. But what does God say? Who was that? That was Jesus Christ. The visible image of the invisible God. See, no one has seen God the Father. You need to get that. Jesus' own words. No one has seen God the Father. When Philip said, show us the Father, they said, Philip, how long have you been with you? He has seen me, has seen the Father. He is the visible image of the invisible God. Even in Revelation, the description of God is not there. Wherever it comes to the face, the next verse, Jesus shows up. Always going again. Isaiah, when he looked at God sitting on the throne, you think that was God until we read in. Uh, Romans and Hebrews, I think Paul refers to the same event and he says he was speaking about Jesus. So what he saw on the throne in Isaiah was who? Jesus, Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't see God. You can't see God. He said no one has seen God. But Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Correct. So he was struggling with Jesus in that, that night. He said what? He struggled with God. He, in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with, look at the A capital. A is the capital which is messenger. Messenger, which was Jesus Christ. And prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. See, he struggled. He could not, in his strength, he could not prevail. Correct? But when did he prevail? He wept and sought favor from him. See how immediately this God who wants to be sought with, just ask, just ask, why are you struggling? Why, why are you struggling? Just ask. And the moment he asked, look, you know what happened, right? He said, I will not leave you unless I bless you. And he asked him and he wept. He struggled. He struggled for some time. And the Bible says, go back to the passage, he struggled till daybreak. Seven years. They will struggle. They will struggle because they will think that they can struggle with God. Unless they call out and say that. So then Jacob asked, what is your name? 
See exactly what Israel wants to ask, wants God, them to uh, God, uh, God wants Israel to ask him. Ask me what is my name? Why? Because then I will tell you. My name is Jesus. I will tell you my name is Jesus because unless you ask me, you will not know it. Ask me and says, "Who are you?" Because Israel will struggle for seven years and they will realize I cannot do it. And then they have they call on Elohim. But Elohim is not going to help them. Elohim is not one who is going to help them. Who helps them? Is Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Yeshua is Yahweh. So they have to call upon Yeshua. See what, what gives salvation is not Elohim. It is Yahweh who has become. So when Jesus God said I have given my son. I cannot help you. That my help is Yahweh. Yeshua Yahweh is the help. He is the help. You don't know I want you. He, he, he is the help. So ask my name. So they finally asked, what's your name? And Yeshua says, Yeshua. Yeshua. And then he struggled. And, he, and they wept and asked for favor. The Bible says, they, they will look on the one whom they were pierced and they will cry. And there will be great mourning in all of Jerusalem. It's all prophesied in Zechariah and said, and then, see, mourning, correct? Just like Jacob cried and wait for favor, and then and the Bible says, look at that, this is the Lord God and he found him in Bethel and there he spoke to us. This is the Lord God of hosts, the Lord Yahweh, this is memorable name, not Elohim. Elohim is El. This is Yahweh. Lord is the covenant-keeping God. Who is the covenant-keeping God? Yeshua, Yahweh. Yeshua, Yahweh. So by you, oh man. Okay, then look at Hosea chapter 14. O Israel, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take what with you and return? Take words with you. Take words. Don't come with sacrifices. Don't come with all your efforts. Don't come with all your stuff. Take what? Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him what? Has he gone? This is so beautiful. God breaks it down to the extent that you know what, Jacob, this is what you should do. You should come to me and ask me. Okay, let me go one step further. Let me tell you what to ask me. <laughs> I mean, this is how good this God is. It even tells you what to ask. Okay? Don't mess it up. Don't try to say, I will climb up into heaven. I will go to... There is a, there is a pilgrimage place in Kerala. What is it called? In Kerala and some places where you... You go to all these places. I will climb a thousand steps for you, Lord. I will go on my knees and break my glass and bleed for you. Don't, don't come with those words also. <laughs> Let me tell you the words you need to come to me with. He also gives them the words. How good is this God? Look at the words. And this is what he tells the church. Correct? Don't come to me. Come to me. Take words with you and come. <laughs> we were talking about social identity experience in one church, right? Yeah, but name it unnamed, but the pastor was talking about all kinds of things. But he said, we should start doing lip service for God. And we need to serve him so according to this verse, God says, I just need your lip service. I don't need your words. <laughs> God says, 
just give me your lip service i am tired of your works just come with words right come with words return with words israel for that israel doesn't want words israel wants to do finally when the seven year tribulation when the time happens they cry out for the first time they're using words they're not talking about how many scripture mem- verses they have memorized they're not preaching about how they have kept the law how they have done this how they have done good charitable things they still they still believe in lot of charitable doings that's how they they have replaced the offerings and the sacrifices with charitable doings the church is also replacing the offerings with charitable doings boasting in what they have done do you think god's demand from israel is different from god's demand from his church no it's the same jesus there's no jewel chanta he says take words with you and return what should you come to it so you want to be blessed right you want to be blessed that's all you need right you want your oil should not go to egypt say am i oil not going to egypt <laughs> no my oil stays with me correct so this is what god says i'll tell you the words let me tell you how many sentences he wants him to look at this say to him he's talking this is god telling israel say to him so god is telling him let me coach you say say to yeshua uh, hosea chapter 14 verse 2 verse 2 take words with you and return to yahweh correct yahweh is jesus christ say to yahweh say to him take away all Ah, look at the word take away do you remember he's not talking about forgive us sins forgive our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name forgive us no that prayer is out god has put away sins he's taken away he says do you want favor that was under the law you have to pray for forgiveness of sins under the new covenant you don't forgive sins god does not forgive sins god takes away sins see god this is this is not my words this is god telling you what to ask yahweh correct i don't want to hear what preachers say i want to hear what god says what he wants to hear i will i will offer listen this is powerful i i know we have not even got into the message today but <laughs> but hosea if you can get hosea you will be yeah you get you'll be hosea okay look at it take away all iniquity okay take away don't say forgive our sins say take away take away take away all sins is and it does it how many times does he take away how many times that god god takes away sin only once on on when you believe jesus actually he took away sins 2000 years back correct he's already done away with sins correct he's done away with sins he's taken away sins he did that so this prayer is answered but you say take away all iniquity receive us graciously look at the word gracious means what nothing to do with me everything to do with you grace means unmerited favor nothing to do with me receive us graciously so i'm not going to come saying that i have built a synagogue for you i'm not come come say that my family has served you for so many years i've not come to say that i have brought up my children well i'm not come to say that because i have prayed so many years or i've not come to say that i have fasted so no 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 receive us without merit So that's how you approach god correct do you want the oil yes yes so follow the recipe 
mixed water, salt, sugar, no, no. God just wants a simple recipe, just follow this playbook, you'll get it done, right? Are you good for that? Okay, I'm not going to, this is not hard preaching, right? This is simple preaching. This is God telling you what you should come to him with the words. And he's giving you the words. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Done. God says I've done it. Receive us graciously. For we will offer sacrifices of our Hold it. What sacrifice is this? God says, tell God, receive us graciously. We will offer not expensive sacrifices. <laughs> this is almost like, you know, this is almost like, I'm breaking into my vernacular, but he says, is there no, is this all? Yes, we will offer and, go, and all people are waiting to say, we will offer talents and money. And God says, we will offer sacrifices of lips. That's how my, my grandma, because we came from Hindu country, right? But she's the first one. So that's how she came back from church and she told all of us, like my mom and everyone, we don't need to offer anything, just speaking. Correct. Yeah. See? That's, that is that's a... the first words that she, she told said. Us. This, yeah. oh, you, know, you know how big this is? Yeah. You know how big this is when you go to God and say, receive us graciously and we will offer. Now man's pride is getting ready, you know? <laughs> we are, hey, we got a part, man. We got a part. <laughs> this man's flesh is like waiting to. We want to get some brownie points, man. We want to. We want to offer. I mean, I tell you, the Indians, we love to offer stuff, right? <laughs> and that's in all cultures, right? We want to offer. We want to offer. because Don't just say it's free, free, free. That means what? I have nothing to do with this or what? I mean, I have something to do with it. Jews have the problem. Cannot receive it free. They want to offer something. To prove that by our merit, you know. Which is what Cain was very angry with Abel. The first problem was that. The Bible says Cain's works were evil. This was before he killed Abel. What was evil about Cain's offering? It wasn't the first. Not really. It was not that. We don't know whether it was his first. Maybe it was his first. But he said his works were evil because he was bringing out of his work. He brought the work of his hands. But Abel never brought the work of his hands. He brought the land. He never said that he worked for the land. See, Cain brought the works of his hand. Abel brought an offering. And God said, a sin offering is crouching at your door also. Why don't you open the door and offer that? God said, Cain said, no, I'm not going to offer a sin offering. That means an offering that has come to your door and knocking at your door. I mean, this was before UPS and Uber Eats delivery. <laughs> <laughs> this was long before there was home delivery. God had delivered a sin offering at your door. I mean, the first home-to-home door delivery was a sin offering. Actually knocking at the door. Ting-tong. <laughs> I was like, who's there? Sin offering. God in Hosea, isn't it? God is saying, hey, Cain, hey, hey, Cain, 
No, I'm not going to talk. Hey, what's, what's going on? <laughs> it's almost like, the, I mean, this is God. This guy can be like, he's God in a moment, you know. But God is like, what's going on? Angry with me? Yeah. Why? If you do right, won't you be accepted? He's talking about what? Not righteousness. If you are righteous, you don't need to offer any offering, right? Like, he's not talking about being right in terms of being good in your lifestyle. If you are good in your lifestyle, why? There's no problem in your offering. Why do you have to offer it? Because you are righteous. Offering is for people who blew it. Now, so the, now, look at the thing. So he's asking, if you do right, that means if you offer the right offering, won't you be accepted? Because it's not about you anyway. It's about the lamb. I accept the lamb because the lamb is the picture of my son Jesus Christ who is going to come many years later. I told John, uh, uh, your father uh, Adam about it because Adam was clothed with blood and told him and prophesied to, that your seed will crush. You remember all that? So he told it. They knew the sacrifice system because God had showed them that your son is going to come. Your seed is going to come and he will die for you. But so now in the meantime offer this. He said no. And he was angry. He said God said his works were evil because he depended on the works of his hand. Look at this. Receive us graciously for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Isn't that cool? That is what? Thanksgiving. Hey God, you know what? If you, hey, if you give me a good job, if you give me a great husband, if you give me a great promotion, guess what I'll do? I will thank you. Hey, how difficult is that? Not difficult. Now, don't go to him saying that, you know, by the way, from 1995, I've been in Covenant Church, paid all my tithes, you know. <laughs> I have receipts, God. <laughs> I said, no. Receive us graciously. Graciously means, I'm not going to focus on what I did. Nothing to do with me. Now, look. So important that concept of receiving graciously is. It's so important. Look at the next verse. Assyria will not save us. He's talking about Satan. Satan and his kingdom and the world system will not save us. Correct? Now, declare right away. When you go to God, say, Lord, I'm not depending on connections and recommendations and uh, contacts and uh, favor and politicking. I'm not. Assyria is not going to save us, Lord. No, you just have to say it. Why? Why should you say it? Why? Why should you say it? Yeah, but this is also sacrifice on the lips. But if this is nothing to be sacrificed. Why should we say Assyria will not save Yeah, but why should we say it? Correct, you're confirming to ourselves. But more importantly, because it's part of the recipe. <laughs> Just follow the recipe. So I'm telling you, God says, these are the words I love to hear. Go. Like, I don't understand all this, Lord. <laughs> Go in your prayer room and say, Lord, Assyria will not help us. God says, which Assyria wants? He understands Assyria. He understands Assyria. He wants to hear this. So you say that, Assyria will not help us. That's it. He, the guy who wants, the Lord who hears it, knows it. Right? So he says, come with the words. So I'm like... I am going to come with word, Lord. This is exactly what he said. I'm going to exactly say. Assyria will not save us. And we know what he means. 
is saying that the Lord, so you just declare it first of all, right? So suddenly all of the world's kingdoms that are trying to manipulate you and position you for deceptive growth or answers is now cut off. Got it? It's cut off. So you, you don't have to struggle through all the junk. Lord, close the door, close the door. <laughs> now, why do you have to pray most of the time, close the door, close the door? Because like, you're in this Assyrian kingdom, right? It's all doors everywhere. And now you're going through Assyrian kingdoms saying, close the door, close the door. Just get out of the kingdom, you know? And problem solved. You have so many believers saying, close the door, Lord, close the door. I don't understand that, but I'm like, why go into those palaces, right? Why go into those palaces? Get out of the Assyria. We will not ride on horses. That's a metaphor in Israel saying, they use this metaphor a lot. Saying, we will not ride on horses means, we will not depend on our strength. So that you have to say, we will not ride on horses. Correct? Correct. Okay, right. Nor will we say anymore to the work of our hands, you are our gods. Now what is that? He said, we will no longer talk to our, say to our work of ours, of all that I've done. I've heard this so many times. Brothers, if you work hard, nah, you're saying to the work of your hands, isn't it? I have really worked hard for this. Ah, now you're saying to the work of your hands. It sounds so nice to hear. We work so hard for this. We deserve this. Yes, you deserve hell. Right? Don't, don't use that. See, don't. So God is saying, clean up all your vocabulary when you come to me. Don't say, I've struggled so many more. Means what? You're just like Jacob. Jacob struggled in his strength. Correct? He didn't struggle in his blessing. He struggled in his Strength. He was manipulating, he was planning, he was scheming because he was struggling in his strength. It was his strength. When his strength went off and his socket was there, he was limping. He didn't know what to do. He left with nothing but to pray. Do you want to come to a point where you have to depend on God? No. No, you don't want to go there. No, I don't want to. I don't want to come to where God has to make me depend on him. No. No, you don't want to be there. And not, not huh? Willingly. Yeah, we, we don't want, you want to say, we will, nor will we say anymore. Anymore is an absolute statement. We will say, we will, we will not, nor will we say anymore to the work of our hands, you are our gods. For in you, the fatherless find mercy. See, look at it. two, two implications. The fatherless, that means he's admitting that they are, he, the person who's asking for favor is without a father. But the fatherless find mercy. That means you are asking God the Father who is not your father, make me your son and give me mercy. Just like the young son went to the father and said, I'm not worthy to be called your son, make me a hired servant. But the father said, made him a son. Did he find mercy? Yes. And that what? So, words done. Oh, this is the words. This is how you come to God. You see, all Israel has to do is say these words. And get what will happen? Then what will God do? Look at what God, this is what God will do, right? How many, how, many, how, many, how many lines are these? Take words with you and return. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. 
six, 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 six crosses in this. That's it. And he said, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Means without cost. For my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will grow like the lily. You know, lilies grow wild. That means they will grow so fast. Right? He will grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. No, he's mixing up the growth of the lily and the strength of the roots of Lebanon. That means the Lebanon tree's roots go deep, but it will grow like the lily. He's like the best of both the worlds. Right? Look at what. His branches shall spread. Huge. His beauty will be like the olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. So it will be a tree that smells well. Correct? Look at further. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return and they shall be revived like grain and grow like a wine. Now it will grow like a wine. His scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? Same. What is idols? Remember, in the Bible, whenever you see the word idols, replace it when you read it with works of our hands. When you do that, it makes all, all sense. So it does not, so you, every time you see idols, no way, I don't have any idols in my house. Hold it. Can I replace it with the works of my hands? Yes. Now it makes sense, right? The Bible says, Ephraim shall say, what have I do, what have I, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have using this for, a, for the last couple of weeks when I was meditating on this castle. So, so I would be in office, right? And I make some, I, 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 we've done something foolish. And immediately I would say, what have I to do with the works of my hands? That means, why should I bear the consequences of my action? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> do you see that? Look at that, that's powerful. Why should I bear the consequences of my actions? Right? Why should I bear? What have I got to do with the works of my hands? <laughs> God's like, that's good, man. That's good. Keep doing that. I like that. That is God saying, what have I to do? Why? Because I'm supposed to be blessed. How? How, how should I be blessed? What's the word? Blessed. No, no. What, what, how should I be blessed? No, that, that is what you, How should I be blessed? How does God love me? Yeah, that's the word. Freely. Freely means irrespective of what you did. Make sense? See, now you have to get the mindset in your head, right? What have I got to go out from here like a zombie? What have I got to do with the work of my hands? What have I got to do? <laughs> If you can do that, I'll tell you, you, you could enter into a season of oil in Israel. Are you, are you ready for that? You have to get this out of your head. What have I got to do with this? What have I got to do with this? Like, you know, somebody says, hey, Josh is doing very well. We immediately say, we are not responsible. It is true. Because if you are responsible for his goodness, yeah. when struggles come, are you not responsible? Recently, I actually said that word in school. Really? I did. Right. Responsible for that. Who is responsible for this? So we are not responsible. We are not responsible for the struggles. Correct. So he says, What have I got to do with my idols anymore? I like the word anymore. Because I'm getting blessed. 
bless freely. What have I got to do with the works of my hands? I'm like, I mess up and I'm getting blessed. I'm getting, I do stupid things and I'm getting blessed. And I do good things, I'm also blessed. So I'm, I, I, so Ephraim is thinking about this, right? After this blessing that's happening in their life, and Ephraim is looking. This is Ephraim is a picture of Israel. Israel is looking. So this has been a couple of years. They have said these words and God has received them. And Israel is saying, so that day when we all danced around that bar, we still had rain that, that uh, year. Hmm. The other day, we did something. We still had rain. Not more rain, less rain, but same rain. So what have we got to do with the work of our hands? Why are we wasting time going after these other things? We can just enjoy this God that who blesses us so freely. See, there's no demand on you, right, suddenly. For suddenly you are free. When the sun sets you free, you are free. Now that is freedom. When the Bible says the sun sets you free, means what? If the sun wakes up in the morning one day, I am not going to do nothing in this house today. Does breakfast still show up for him? Lunch? What about dinner? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day he says, yeah. <laughs> in Josna's house, consequences happen. <laughs> now you have to, that takes renewal of mindset, right? Freely you have received? Come on, Josna. <laughs> Freely give. See, because that, that changes your mindset, right? Because then guess what? The next day, he says, I'm not going to do nothing in this house. Breakfast shows up, lunch shows up, dinner shows up. Guess what after the third day? He knows breakfast shows up, lunch shows up, dinner shows up. What is he going to do? Not even wake up. Not even wake up? No. <laughs> he, he, will like, he, like, he realizes that there is no reaction to his consequences. He's like free. And he starts doing stuff not because he's earning his dinner, earning his lunch, and earning his breakfast. He wakes up knowing that I don't care whether I work or not. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to just enjoy working. You see what the, the switch happens? The sun sets you free. Like the eldest son was under the implication of a transaction where I did something. I worked all day for this land, but yet you would not give me a calf. Transaction. That means, but the younger son, what have I got to do with the work of my hands? I was in hogland, you know, <laughs> feeding the hogs. And I come here and I have MasterCard given into my hands. What have I got to do the work of my hands? I'm just going to serve this beautiful so you love. you have to keep applying for a job. You just stay at home and rest. You see, I'm telling you. I know it. It sounds like stupid as like that. <laughs> but sometimes just doing that sometimes might get you the position. Yeah. All right? But then, you, but then God will guide you like a river. And happenings happen to you. Yes. When the happenings happen to you, then you are happy. As Joseph Prince says. I like that word. When happenings when happen, happen to you, you become happy. Yeah. Happenings happen, right? Just happen. You just happen to meet this person at the grocery store. Now it has nothing to do with the work of your hands because you gave us thousand applications, and those were good applications, but they never saw the light of day. <laughs> it straight went into the junk folder. I think many of the applications go directly to the junk. <laughs> But we want the blessing of God that directs it and goes directly to them, right? That only God can do it, right? God can do it because your oil is not going to Egypt. It is staying with you. What have I got to do the work of my hands? Can you, can you have a mindset change in your life right now? Can you get that? 
What have I got to do? Not for good or for evil. I am not responsible for it. So what? I am expecting to be blessed. Because my God is my maker. And look at what it says. I have heard and observed him. Who is this him? Now this is Ephraim saying in first, in first person. Ephraim is saying this. What have I got to do with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Oh, some it rhymes. I'm like a cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Okay. But look at it. He said, this is Ephraim saying. He said, I have seen, I've heard and seen him. See, the more you see Jesus, the more automatically fruit appears in you. He said, that is the new covenant. So, give you an example. So the disciples after Jesus rose again from the dead, now they are in this position where they are now blessed. Correct? So they toil all night and they catch nothing. So Jesus appears on the shore and asks them, children, do you have any food? He said, no Lord. Jesus said, put on the right side, which is the side of righteousness, and you shall catch some. And they caught a huge catch, some 133 or something. Big, large fishes, the Bible says. Correct? So look at this picture. They toiled all night. They depend on the work of their hands. They caught nothing. So on the morning, they saw, they heard a voice. Then they saw a man. And the fruit was found in them. You see that? You see that? See in the new covenant what happens? It is nothing to do with your works. It is about hearing the Lord and seeing him. When you saw Jesus and you heard him and you saw him, immediately something happened here. Hey, fish, fish, man, fish. <laughs> you see this miracle? Oh, you did? Okay, this is what happens. So, you, this is Hosea. This is Hosea at works. I have heard and seen him. Hold it. Your fruit is found in me. That's the new covenant, brothers and sisters. See, what, this is what God is telling you to do. Now you see Jesus. So you see Jesus and you meditate on him and you listen to him. Listen to him is... <laughs> so we, again, when we say... when. I'm, I'm, I'm very careful to say when God, when you say, listen to Jesus, listen to Jesus. Again, you don't get into the mindset of God says, listen to Jesus, means, work for me, work for me, fast, fast. You know, that's not the God we are serving, correct, right now. When he says, listen to Jesus, what was Jesus talking to people who bore much fruit? Let's look at all the incidents where Jesus spoke to people and they bore much fruit. Oh, that's very theological. But tell me in a very simple way. Examples. Like he told the leper at the pool of Bethesda. No. Yeah, no, you didn't say that. No, he said, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> so, like, so he heard him. Correct? He saw him. He took up his bed and walked. So what was they listening to? They were listening to good news. Isn't it? See, they are not listening to demand. Let, let me get this point across to you. When you are listening to Jesus, it is not how the enemy brings it out to be. You are not listening to demand mindset. Jesus is not demand. Let me ask you a question. When 
The disciples saw Jesus. The disciples saw Jesus on the shore when they had toiled all night and caught nothing. What did Jesus tell them? No. What is the first thing that Jesus told them? Children. Look at the first word. Look at look at look at. We are immediately going to the words. <laughs> Our mindset is like. So geared towards find the way. That's how like the mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I just have to hold myself, but it's so funny. We as flesh are always looking for the verb. <laughs> We're like, hunt for the verb. <laughs> it's funny. But that's how we are. We are always trying to hunt for the verb. Hunt for the verb. If there is no verb in, that, in this transaction, then it's not going to happen, brother. It's not going to happen. Where is the verb, Lord? <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> God says, speak, man. Speak. <laughs> speak. Just speak to me. Speak to me. Speaking is a verb. But it's a good verb, right? Arkesh, <laughs> isn't that a good verb? I will take speaking as a good verb over all the other verbs. But that is what... A mindset is throw the net. No, he's a children. Do you have any food? I like that. I would love to go to Jesus who asked me in the morning. Hey Jordan, did you have food for breakfast today? I'd love to go. And Jordan was like, Dog, I better be careful when I come to this great God. I don't know what you demand is going to make of me. Marry that ugly looking man. No, 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 it's not. and says, Andy, what's up today? What's going on in life? Are you happy? Are everything okay in your day? How's your friends doing? Do you want to commune with this great father? This great Yeshua? He's saying, I've seen and heard him. His fruit is found in me. The more you commune with this loving Yeshua, and that's what, Lord, right? Lord, is love. He's his talk to the friend. The more you find you're prosperous. Your oil is hanging around. Your oil is there. You're fruitful. Your fruit is found in me. And he says, I'm like a green cypress tree. Oh, a green cypress tree is huge and a lot of fruit. Remember, Israel struggled for fruit. Remember, every time Jesus came to Israel, he found them like a fig tree with a lot of leaves, but no fruit. Because they were depending on what? They were depending on their works. So Jesus had to curse the fig tree. Why? Jesus wanted the fig tree to be cursed because not because he doesn't love the fig tree but he cursed the uh, the leaves the leaves are false righteousness that you hide under but it deprives you of any fruit so when Israel saw that their fig tree is cursed that their leaves are being cursed that their righteousness is cursed they can now be at least be clear guess what at least the game is up there is no fruit on this tree Right? Now let's go to look for the one who has the fruit. 
And when you observe him, guess what happens to you? You become like a green cypress tree. Isn't that cool? Is that cool? Let's go back. Hosea chapter 10. What have I got to do anymore with Irish? I've heard and observed him. Unlike a green cypress tree, your fruit is found in me. Oh, I want you to repeat that. I want you to repeat that. This is revelation. This is revelation. I want you to repeat that. Come on, let's start it. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do anymore with idols or with the work of my hands? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. See, this is how you bear fruit in your life. You bear fruit in your life by seeing Jesus and hearing Him. And his, He is good. And the more you do that and stop focusing on your verbs and what you have to do, just you start producing prosperity. You become prosperous. Your, your health springs forth. You are like a green cypress. He talks about what? Health. Isn't it? A green cypress tree is a healthy tree but bearing a lot of fruit. Amen? Are you ready for that? Okay. Then the Lord says, look at this. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Because he's saying that, hey, let me give you a secret. If you're wise, you'll just understand what I just told you. Who's prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them and the transgressors stumble in them. See, the way of the new covenant is not evident. Correct? It's not, it is not, what's the word? What's the other word? Synonym for evident. Obvious. The way of the new covenant is not the obvious way. It is, you need to be wise and prudent to know what is going on here. And God is saying, hey, he is wise. You'll understand what I'm just saying. That, what, who will stumble in them? The transgressors, that means the ones who don't understand this, they keep stumbling. How will they stumble? Come on. How will they stumble? Come on, Sushil. Yes, they'll keep going back to works and expecting to bear fruit. And they will not bear fruit because they'll stumble. Because who is this rock? This rock is Christ Jesus. And he says, if you don't believe it, you'll stumble because you'll not bear fruit. And you keep stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. And as believers, you stumble for all your lifetime and you die and go to heaven. So at heavens, the voice goes out. Here comes a stumbling Christian. <laughs> and it doesn't go. It says, here comes a righteous because God still calls you righteous. But could you have been spared of a lot of stumbling on the earth? Correct? You would can be. Because you can be fruitful, beneficial for yourself. That's why Paul said to Timothy, if you hold fast to this doctrine, talking about this ways, you will not only save yourself, but those who hear you. So he says both. So just because Timothy is a pastor of a great church, doesn't mean that he is exempt from following this law. He says it will save you. Why? Isn't Timothy saved? Yes. He's not talking about eternal salvation. He's talking about the day to day. Being Yahweh, being whole and being blessed in all ways. He says it will save you and save those who hear you, because you are going to say the same thing what I am preaching today, right? And will you not preach this to everybody that you meet? And say that you don't have, your grandmother preached this without knowing Hosea? And did she bear the fruits of it? And whole generations got saved, isn't it? 
Because that is how you get saved. You stay saved and stay blessed. Hallelujah. Jacob struggled in his strength. But then he wept and asked for favor and he prevailed. Isn't that cool? Take words with you and return. And he also tells you the words. Easy. It's an easy deal. I want you to do that. I want you to stay Start getting into your mindset. What have I got to do with the work of my hand? So when you're so burdened about your children, you should say, Lord, seriously, what have I got to do with the work of my hand? I have heard and seen you. Your fruit is found in me. Because your word says, the, the descendants of the blessed of the Lord, they will be blessed, for they are the descendants of the blessed of the Lord. I am blessed and they are my descendants. So guess what? They are going to be blessed. So you say, but Lord, I have to, don't, don't, don't hunt for the verb. Don't hunt for the verb. Say, I will offer the thanksgiving. That's it. I'm going to offer the sacrifices of my lives. Hallelujah. Are you all ready? All ready to receive this unconditional favor, this blessing, this feeding. And I have a whole message that I did not preach. <laughs> No, Minister is like, no, no, no. You're not going there. You're not going there. I have mercy, Lord of the Fatherless and mercy. <laughs> what have I to do? What have I to do with the work of my hands? <laughs> really? So it's really not, it was not hard work. It was easy. It just flew very well. So hopefully, so it will be next time. I want to add one more point. I was reading the book that was given by the It's called Faith Confessions by Charles Cass. I'm not going to become a green cypress tree. Good point. Good point. Good point. Good point. So next time we'll take a message called uh, Your Warfare Has Ended and Boldness in the Day of Judgment. Very powerful message. Very, very powerful message. Very powerful message. Talk about from the book, uh, from three personalities, from Hezekiah, Job, and Peter. Very powerful message. Uh, so hope you all guys can, can make it. <laughs> so it'll be good. It'll be a warfare has ended. Uh, powerful message about how Hezekiah. Same. It, it's the same thing. He messed up, but God. But <laughs> so I, I can't. I can't. I can't wait till two Sundays to get it. But I will give you a little hint of it, right? So you know because I, it's like you're making biryani and not giving you the biryani to eat, right? <laughs> 
So Hezekiah wants, you know, Hezekiah had this fatal disease and he was going to die and God says, you're going to die and God says, put your house in order. Then he cried out and asked for favor. Same word. Same word. And God said, no problem. Because you asked, I will give you 15 more years. So, and God blesses him. And then he becomes, he becomes proud and he doesn't give credit to God. I know that because in another version it says that. And then these Babylonians come and they hear about this miraculous healing. And they come and visit Hezekiah. And Hezekiah shows them all the stuff that they have. Correct? And then Isaiah, God sends Isaiah to him and says, who came and visited you? He said, so and so. What did you show them? He said, I showed them everything. <laughs> it's so good. So God, so Isaiah said, God said through Isaiah, he said, all that you see, your children, your children's children, they shall all be taken away. Your property, your glory, everything your ch will be taken away into a distant land. And Hezekiah's response, this is before the new covenant, right? And Hezekiah's response is, this is a good word. At least there will be peace and truth in my days. And I've read that passage for a long time. And I always said, Lord, and God doesn't rebuke him. God doesn't correct him. I'll, there are three versions of it and no place is God rebuking him. Because he has seen and heard him. Who did Hezekiah see and heard? He saw Jesus. When Jesus, God told Hezekiah, your seed shall be taken away and will be a eunuch in the king of Babylon's throne. He's talking about, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. Means what? At least now I can rest in peace. Because I know judgment is coming. And I was afraid of it day and night. Correct? He's prosperous. Ezekiel is incredibly prosperous. But there is wrath hanging on his head. Correct? He knows any time he's going to die. But when he got this word that you will not die, but your children, a seed will die. Ezekiel says, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. You know what it means? Is this evil or good? Is it a good word or bad word? It's a good word. Because Jesus says, oh, the wisdom of God. And we are talking about Good Friday, right? He said, oh, the wisdom of God. That all the blood from Abel to Zechariah will be required of this generation. Why does it say the wisdom of God? So what God did was, and God, Jesus used the word, same word, wisdom, which we just read in Hosea. Oh, the wisdom of God. God pushed all the iniquity of Hezekiah, of David, of Zech, everybody, and brought it up on the generation in which Jesus lived, and said, God said, guess what? I require it now of this generation. Somebody has to pay in this generation. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all judgment to myself. Hezekiah saw that and he said, if my seed is going to pay for all my judgment, at least there is peace and truth in my days. What is peace and truth? Peace and truth should have a righteous foundation. 
Do you have a righteous foundation for your prosperity? Or are you afraid that your prosperity will be taken away anytime because of what you did? Just like Ephraim said, what have I got to do with the work of my hand? I have heard and seen him. Hezekiah heard and saw him in the future. We have heard and seen him 2,000 years back. Both have received peace and truth in their day. Amen? Are you ready to receive peace and truth in your day? Because you can now rest. Because now you are not under that wrath. You know at least in my day there is peace and truth. So when Jesus rose up from the dead, the first thing he did was he declared to the disciples peace. And he showed them two things. He showed them the nails and he showed them the side. The nails was to say that I am the seed that <laughs> it was almost like Hezekiah. He showed up with Hezekiah and said, I am that guy that you were happy would pay the price. <laughs> you know? I am that seed. I am that child. And he's telling the disciples, I am the guy who you should have died. I am the one who died. So why should you be afraid? Why are you afraid of the Jews right now? Because all fear is driven by impending punishment of sin. Remember, think, remember that. All fear stems from impending judgment of sin. It's impending. It's not happened. It's for your sin. And you are afraid because of that. Just like Hezekiah was. But the moment Hezekiah received the word that your child will die, he said, cool, I'm free. <laughs> and you would always read that passage as something evil. But it is good. God calls that faith. When another would die for you, if you have heard and seen him, your fruit is found in me. Isn't that cool? That God can say, all your sickness, all the things, I've seen him. I've seen him. He's been. So Jesus showed them his hand. But then Jesus showed them the side. But the side was not for their sins. Remember we studied last time? The, his side was pierced after the sin was already paid. Isn't it? After he died, and he had said, finished, after that, the side was pierced. So the piercing of the side was not as a punishment for sin. What was that for? The birth of the church. Means saying that he is like Adam telling Eve. When Eve came out of, out and stood before Adam. And Eve is like looking around. Who am I? <laughs> Where am I from? What is Adam? Ah, oh, this is so good. Adam took Eve's hand. How do I know? Hey, let me give our liberty, right? <laughs> took the hand. If Milu was there, I would have taken a hand, right? <laughs> Lifted his arm. He had clothes, right? Remember, he was clothed now. Took his hand, put it inside his side and said, You came from here. You came from here. That is what Jesus did to Thomas. He said, Put your finger and put your hand. God, I was like, oh, oh, hold it, hold it. Thank God Jesus didn't say, put your hand here and the finger here. But it was almost like, he said, put your hand here. Because this, this was huge. This was huge. I know it sounds gross, but Jesus is saying, hey, you came out from here. Just like I am, you are. I am righteous, you are righteous. I am perfect, you are perfect. I am sinless. You are sinless. Blessed are you. Isn't that cool? That's what.
what is faith. So now you can have peace and truth in your days. Now you can be very prosperous like Ezekiel was and no impending judgment. You can be rightfully, you have a rightful, what is truth? Ezekiel defines it. Truth is the righteous basis for prosperity. Get that in your head. What is truth? The righteous basis for your prosperity in all areas of your life. Soul, spirit, body. A righteous basis. What is a righteous basis? Hezekiah was prosperous, but there was no basis for his prosperity because he knew it could be taken away any time. But you have a righteous basis for your prosperity. What is your righteous basis for your prosperity? Rakesh, what is your righteous basis for your prosperity? Jesus died for my blessing and out of his side I came and therefore there's a basis on which Satan cannot touch me right now because the punishment has been paid. Punishment has been paid, cannot touch me again. Sickness cannot touch me because punishment has been paid. So in everything you have to see and hear who? Him. So you say, as therefore we have boldness in the day of judgment. So as he is, so are we. Where? In this world. world. So the judgment is happening where? In the world, not in heaven. He's talking about judgments that happen here. So when Satan comes with judgment, like he came to Hezekiah and says, you're going to die. Or he comes to Peter and says, you're going to be killed. Like Judas, he's going to hang yourself, you're going to die. Or like uh, uh, Job said, Job was told, was, Satan was going to kill him. Everyone faced the same attack. But now they had a righteous basis on which their punishment was cancelled. Correct? Job had it, Peter had it, and Hezekiah had it. And we'll talk about it next time in detail and I want you to go through scriptures and understand. But I cannot leave you on Good Friday and not tell you about this great judgment that now you have boldness in the day of judgment. Hey, guess what? So how does judgment happen? Like for example, you hear a report, your 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 is That's the day of judgment. Now it's the day of judgment. Now you say, hey, 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 hold it! Cannot put the sickness! No, 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 sorry! I, I have seen his hands. Ah. I have seen his hands. That means it's already happened. He's already paid that. Correct? Yeah. Correct? So now when you see that, guess what? Truth is found in You see the difference? So everywhere, now you see, now you're struggling in a relationship. Now you can say, oh, hold it. I saw Jesus being forsaken by his father and being forsaken all alone. I have seen him forsaken. Therefore, you cannot have relationship problems. I have seen him and heard him. Therefore, the fruit is found in me. You got it? So everything you now start looking at. I have seen him. I have seen him. And I have seen you. Now, now you know, what have I got to do with the work of my hands? Well, who sinned? My father sinned? My mother-in-law sinned? Or who knows? I did. No, not, nothing to do with the work of my hands. I have seen and heard Jesus. He is the solid peg on which God hangs everything. Oh, this is beautiful. I, mean, I, I cannot stop. I have to stop. But, but I want you to see it's connected. 
this this business of judgment is kind of now you have boldness in the day of judgment. Like for example, if you you get afraid about anything in life right now, you say, I have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so am I. For you to know how as he is, what should you do? You should see him. Correct? Only when you see him, you will know as he is, so am I. So when you are sick, you have to see him how? So do you see Jesus healed or do you see Jesus never sick? Was Jesus ever healed? Jesus was never healed. He was never sick. Just like what uh, Anusha mentioned the point. I am a green cypress tree. I never was sick. Correct? I have seen Jesus. So he said, but I am suffering headaches right now. But he said, I don't care. What have that to do with the work of my hands? See, got that Anymore. I like the word anymore. Now you have to stop looking at your self. And because I did, did, did you know what? Uh, Bobby, did I, did, did I eat that that day on the restaurant? You know, I did that. I think because of that, I, you know, I'm having this problem. That's what, that's what you think, right? Because that what, what are you doing? You're saying, what have I got to do with the work of my hand anymore? Don't get into transaction mode in any area of your life. You should say, I'm a green cypress tree. I have seen, uh, but I know one thing that this sickness was, I have seen it on him. I have seen it on him. That's the first thing Jesus showed when I mean, he came and said, Peace. Just like Ezekiel knew, peace happened when judgment has been paid. When disciples saw his side and his hand, the Bible said they were glad. Why? Oh, like Hezekiah, they were like, thank you, Jesus. It's done, man. You paid it because it was yours. So that's how you see Jesus. So just when you see Jesus strong with a strong heart, never had a heart attack. Amen. Your fruit is found in me and I'm sure you a miracle. Uh, in, office, in my office, there's a lady who had a severe heart problem. And they, he, they, the doctor said that he, she will die anytime. So they gave her an external heart machine. So she was so panicking and something. Then I told her, I told her, these are the words that say this. You are, there's, this is an evil report. Say, if you believe in Jesus, you did it. Stuff like that. The other day, good report. Huh? Just the other day, she comes, she came, came back to the office. I said, Jesse, what's going on? What's happening? He said, I went to Mayo Clinic. They did Mayo Clinic in Rochester, New York, which is the top hospital. He said, I went and checked. The doctor said, there is no problem with your heart. Amazing. And he said, then what about this instrument? She's still carrying that. He said, I have to get rid of this now. I have to go to this doctor and show them the report. I said, hey, you don't, I was telling her, you don't care how it is gone. Just drink the coffee. You don't know how the coffee is made. But you know, so that's the thing. You have seen him. Your fruit is found in me. I don't care how it's happened. I don't care what's happened. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where favor comes from and I don't care. How it's manufactured. I don't know how these 153 fishes showed up in my boat. But I just know one thing. 2 plus 2 is 4. I have seen him and heard him. Fruit is here. And I have seen this occur over and over again. So I am going to keep doing this over and over again. Isn't that good? And go and preach this. To one and all. Because the coming of Yeshua is close. Hallelujah. What are we going to do for thousands of years with Jesus? Man, you can't practice all this thing. Because in heaven, 
when you see him. So you want to enjoy life more in this faith walk? Right? Isn't that good? You're like, man, God, give me some more days on the earth. I could have ex- I want to do what I've just... I love this, man. This is life. Because we, what, what we... I mean, when you see Jesus, everything is fine. Because there is faith. We will be as... We will be as he is, the Bible says, right? Hey, but don't you know? The Bible says, as he told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Do you believe this report? A man? Who has believed our report? The Bible says in Isaiah 53. He said, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? Can't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop, but it's so good. But I have to stop. Thank God for a wife who puts me in love. Okay. So did I tell you anything about the rapture yet? I don't think so. But there, but I did explain about the Jacob's thing. Jacob's seven year tribulation. Correct? Are you all tired? No. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> I, this time I ate food before I throw <laughs> That is true. That is true. But I believe this is the words of God, right? I agree. So, every incident in the Bible talks about Jesus, God dealing with Israel, the rapture proceeds. You won't believe it, right? So, did I mention to you about the incident where uh, something is a picture of the seven-year tribulation of uh, Israel? Correct? Did I mention? What was the picture? Are you talking this in the things happening in the past or that's going to happen? It's in the future, right? It's going to happen. It's hidden throughout the Bible, correct? So, did I explain? Did you get that picture of Jacob struggling? Correct? It's exactly what is happening and then they cry out. It's all prophesied, isn't it? But that picture is hidden in that struggle with Jacob, right? right. That seven year struggle. And that struggle happened all night. It's a picture of a time of Jacob's trouble. It's also called Jacob's trouble, correct? So what should precede that event? The rapture, correct? So in that picture of Jacob struggling with the angel, there should be the typology of the rapture also, correct? Because it should be consistent. Can we find it there? Right? So I'm not going to, there's so many such examples. I've seen the so examples and you have not seen. Uh, what if we're going to write a supplement on the pictures of the rapture throughout the Bible? That's a book we're going to release. Amen? Okay, right, we're going to do that. Because I've, I've not seen the pictures of the rapture in the Bible. I mean, I've not seen a book. Maybe there is. I mean, if you Google, there's always a book. Right? <laughs> but we will write a book, right? Out of this incidents. But I don't know whether Jesus, Jesus might come even before that. We go through the so many pictures. But let's go to this book of rapture. The picture, and not too much, but just to show, because I promised you that we will show a picture of the rapture. Genesis chapter 22, I think. Right? No, Genesis chapter 32. Okay, let's look at this. Uh, to Genesis chapter 32. Uh, let's look at Jacob's struggle. Uh, verse 24. Everybody got that? Okay, everybody got it? Okay, I want you to see this picture in the rapture, right? I want you to be convinced that the rapture of the church precedes God's dealing with Israel. Correct? Okay, let's look at it. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. Israel is left alone with God, right? And a man, man is capital. We know now from Hosea that it is Jesus, Jesus, God, correct? Yahweh, Lord. 
a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Correct? Remember? The rapture happened. Israel, remember we studied last time? Jesus comes to Israel in the day. The rapture happens for us in the night. Is that consistent again? So Israel struggles until the breaking of day. Consistent? Picture of Israel in the day. Church in the night go, cry goes out at midnight. When was Jesus raptured, body resurrected? While it was still dark. That doesn't say Jesus was raptured, resurrected. Mary went to the tomb and didn't find the body. That means when did Jesus get uh, resurrected? Even before that, right? That means while the morning star rises. That's a different picture of the rapture. Right? We'll talk about it. Okay. So are we good? Consistent? Right? Breaking of the day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket and the socket was. So we talk about Jacob's trouble. Correct? And this happened. Now, so the rapture should happen before this. Correct? So, where are all of Israel's, everybody who is with Israel, of Jacob, where are they? Look at this, verse 22. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the fold of Jabuk. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. You see the picture? That's the rapture. Everything Yeshua has, he sends them across the brook of Jabuk. Jabuk is, is a, a downplay. He crossed over death. And get them out before God deals with Israel. You see the rapture there? Everything that he had, all the sons, all the daughters, all that he had, all the positions, he raptures it and then deals with Israel. Got it? Picture of the rapture there? The fold of Jubok, the Jordan, just like the fold of Jubok that we are crossed over this life. And then God deals with Israel. So, consistent, right? The picture is clear. And you will see this picture throughout. God raptures the church, deals with Israel. Raptures the church, deals with Israel. Okay, so, let me come back to this. Okay. I told you about the Revelation 12 sign, right? Mm -hmm. The Revelation 12 sign is a sign that says that the labor pains are about to start and the church is going to get raptured. And that's preceded by the sign, the vision that God gave, Jesus gave John in the Revelation book, uh, in the chapter 12. Said that a man child is going to be born and the word is, the Greek, Greek word in that is, and he will be harpazo, out from this place. He'll escape out. People talk about that vision as referring to Jesus. No, it's not Jesus because Jesus never escaped from Satan. He stood and took your sins and defeated him. Correct? He was not raptured out from the presence of Satan. No. Who is raptured and escaped and protected and kept? Always the church. We are always called the ones who escape out. We want to be the ones who escape out. Always. We are called the remnant. The escapers. And Jesus said, he told the church of Philadelphia, I, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world, that you would escape. And he said in Luke chapter 21, I think, that you will escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. 
everywhere. Escape out. Raptured out. Same word. Didn't uh, J Jacob's all his uh, relatives escape out from the hand of Esau that was coming? Correct? It's a type of Esau, Moab, the Antichrist coming to destroy Israel. But God protects his church even before he starts the encounter with Esau. Correct? It's a classic picture. Escape. Correct? So, that's happened. That sign is happening in September 23rd. But before that, that is during the time of Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. Before the Feast of Trumpets, the day before the Feast of Trumpets, before the sign happens, the morning stars, Venus rises up in this constellation on the eastern skies in Jerusalem and here all over the world and joins with the star Regulus in the constellation Leo. Regulus means regal and royal. And what timing? Same night on before the on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. The uh, revelation sign happens two days later, but on the eve of Rosh Hashanah, on the night, on the morning, when the morning star rises. Who is the morning star? Jesus. Jesus. But the morning star in the sky is Venus. It happens, Venus appears for half a year as the evening star and half a year on the morning star. What a coincidence. When the sign happens, Venus rises up in the morning and rises up as the brightest object in the sky because it is conjoined with the star Regulus in Leo and rises up on that day and Rosh Hashanah starts the Feast of Trumpets as the church gets ready. It's a sign that the church will be raptured before the morning sun rises on Israel. The Bible talks about the morning star, that we are like the light that shines in a dark place until the morning star rises in our hearts. That means we will see it. Israel will not see it. In fact, they will wonder what happened to the church because there will be such perplexity in all the nations because the Bible talks about in Psalms and in Isaiah, where has the righteous man gone? And the Bible says, the world will not know. And God says in that verse, and I don't have the passage, but you can check it out. He says, don't they know that the righteous have been taken away from evil? Oh, such a beautiful picture. They will, all the world will wonder what happened to the Christians. And God says they will not know because they don't know that the righteous have to be taken away from the evil. The classic picture of God loving the church. Won't allow his bride to be molested. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm going to have a marriage, but in the meantime, I'm going to send you into the camp of the MI5 and let them rape you. Let them beat you up. No, not going to happen. I'm going to marry you, I'm going to protect you. Amen? That is the rapture of the church. Hallelujah? The morning star rises and we see, and the star rises with Regulus. Regulus is exactly what happened when Jesus came the first time. Venus was conjoined with Regulus. Too many signs. Brothers and sisters, there are too many signs. And look at what happened. This is, I'm going to read this. Um, this is a 12th century rabbi, Judah ben Samuel. He's a 12th century rabbi. In 12th century, this, this rabbi is a Jewish rabbi, very pious, was waiting for the Messiah. And God showed him some stuff. He prophesied and he calculated from astrological calculations and from gematria and from numbers and from the scriptures and God revealed it to him. It's amazing. Look at the accuracy of his prophecy. 
This is from the Jews. They did their own culture. You can Google it out. Judah ben Samuel. Okay? Prophecy of Judah ben Samuel. His calculation. This is what he said. Jer when the Ottoman Turks, who were already a power to be reckoned with, on the Bosphorus at the time of Judah ben Samuel. When Judah ben Samuel was in the 12th century, correct? Ottoman Turks were ruling Israel. Correct? They, they, it's, it's Islamic, it's one of the largest, their rule was long, Ottoman Turks, the Turkish, the current Turk, Turkish Empire. So they ruled Jerusalem. He said, they will conquer Jerusalem, they will rule over Jerusalem for eight jubilees. One jubilee is 50 years. Eight into five is? 400. He said, Ottoman Turks will rule over Jerusalem for 400 years. Afterward, Jerusalem will become a no man's land for one jubilee, for 50 years. And then, in the ninth jubilee, it will come back again into the position of the Jewish nation, which will begin the sign of the messianic end time. Now, think, look at the accuracy of this prophecy. One jubilee is 50 years. So when he, when he wrote this calculation, 300 years later, after his death, the first prediction happened. The Mamluks who was reigning in Jerusalem since 1250 were conquered in 1517 by the Ottoman Turks. They remained for eight jubilees. So exactly, so the Mamluk Turks were conquered by the Ottoman Turks in 1517. Got this mark? 1570. So in 1517, the Turks took over Jerusalem. And what did he say? The Turks for, will rule Jerusalem for 400 years. So they, they remained for 8 jubilees for 400 years. That is to say they were in Jerusalem for 400 years. Exactly 400 years later, in 1917, the Ottoman Turks were conquered by the British. And you can see the video of General Allenby walking into Jerusalem. He refused to walk into Jerusalem on a horse because he said, my savior came into Jerusalem on a donkey. I am not worthy to ride into Jerusalem on a horse. You can actually see that video on YouTube on General Allenby walking into Jerusalem. Just Google General Allenby walking into Jerusalem and you can see that. He took over Jerusalem without a shot being fired from Ottoman Turks who ruled Jerusalem for 400 years, exactly as this prophecy is. Jubilees, right? Jubilees. So 1917, the British took, took over Jerusalem. The Ottoman Turks were conquered by the Jewish. The League of Nations, which was the United Nations that just formed, confirmed the mandate of the Holy Nation and Jerusalem to the British. Thus, from 1917 until international law, Jerusalem was no man's land. So, though Israel was returned, Jerusalem because it had the mosque and everything, they kept it as no man's land. No one could own it. Exactly like this, he had prophesied for one jubilee. That means from 1917 to one jubilee, Jerusalem was no man's land. 1917, come on, Prasad. 1917 to one jubilee is how many years? 1967, Jerusalem returns back to Israel. Exactly as he prophesied.
Mom is okay. Look at that. 1967, exactly one jubilee after 1970, Jerusalem reverted to Jewish Israeli ownership once again. Thereby, according to many scholars and rough, uh, according to the prophecies of Judah and Samuel, the messianic end time has begun. Now, when does the jubilee from 1967 end? This year. This year. Is the year of Jubilee. So the Jubilee ends in this year is the year. We are living in the year of Jubilee. What is the Jubilee? The year where everyone returns to his own position. Hallelujah. 1917. So 2017, we are in the year of Jubilee. And this sign is also happening on the Jubilee. Or not, sorry, in the Feast of Trumpet. Exactly when you expect the rapture of the church to happen. I mean, that's what you expect. But, okay, does it happen? Doesn't happen. But, hey, this is too much information. Okay, this is good information, right? Let me go in one more step. Are you ready? Are you tired? Are you excited? Okay, you have nothing else to do, right? I mean, when is Jesus going to come, what are you going to do? You want to listen to all this? Morning, evening, and talk, and talk about all the things that happen. We'll finish all the pictures of the rapture then. Correct? Jesus said, hey, did you see this, 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 this? See, there also there's a rapture. And Manisha will say, hey, I found here also there's a rapture. And we'll be excited about that. What else are we going to do? When you eat, drink, be merry, and enjoy with Christ. That's it. It's good. The Bible says the more we have this hope, we purify ourselves. Because we are like him, isn't it? Hey, I want to do only one thing. I'm going to see him. And bearing fruit. <laughs> I'm going to keep looking at him and keep bearing fruit. Yeah. The more I see him, the more good things seems to be happening to me. So I'm going to just hang on to with that, right? It's a good deal. I'm going to follow that, right? So the more I'm doing that, I'm seeing so much stuff that I, I keep telling you. Know, every time I come in the morning after my quiet time, I tell Milu, Milu, I've got 10 minutes. What are you want to say? Tell me fast because I'm going to go to work. <laughs> I like. Okay, because there's so much stuff that, I can, that God is showing and God is going to show you. God is showing you all guys, right? God is showing you stuff, right? Okay, let me show you something more. God said after the, after the time of Noah, He said, the number of years of a man shall be 120. And that's it. So I've always wondered that problem. So God, either is it 120 or not? You make up your mind, right? So, is it 120 or not? So, guess what? Noah lived for 900 and something years. So, what are you talking about 120 years? There's so many people who live. Abraham lived for, Abraham lived 120. Abraham lived 120. 120? Yeah. 120? Okay, you guys have to make up your mind. <laughs> okay, 175? Okay, good, good. I like that. A lot of people. So, so, so what? So, is God, God wrong? So obviously it is not talking about 120 years of a man's life. He said, I have decided 120 years. So obviously it is something to do with that is man's lifetime on this earth, on the earth. Correct? So it is 120 jubilees. What is 120 times 50? What is 120 times 50? Correct! So 6,000 years, God says, is the time of man, and then 1,000 years, the reign of Christ. No, no, 
No. So he says 120 jubilees. Correct? It is not 6,000 years. It is 120 jubilees. We are in which jubilee? 120 120 jubilee we are in the jubilee year 120 that's it we're done 120 God has decided as 120 jubilee years for man's kingdoms to reign mm -hmm. then will be a 6 day and then 7 days the year of rest 6 days 1 day is like a 1000 years which match exactly Six days, six thousand years matches exactly. The signs are coming. Prophecies of people who are nothing. But there's so there is too much. There is too much going on. And and the Bible says they shall not know it when it happens. See, it's not like see when the rapture happens. The Bible says God, they will not know it. It will be like the days of Noah when they did not know when the flood came. They knew when the flood came because the rain started. But they did not know when Noah went into the ark. Noah went into the ark seven days before the flood came. No. Before the seven years tribulations. It's already started. So, so, he, so there also... So look at, so the picture of the rapture in the Noah's ark is there or not? Yes or no? Yes. How? Noah goes in and rain doesn't start. Noah goes in, waits seven days and then the rain starts. Correct? So he says, the church will get raptured, which is Jesus saying, it will be like the days of Noah. They will not know it when Noah went into the ark. Just like we would, they, they would not know. Because it will happen when men will be eating and drinking, markets are going up and down, Trump is doing policies, and all kinds of stuff. Everything Trump. Trump. Trump will be in this rapture, right? There will be all kinds of people, all the Christians, right? The last Trump. The last Trump. Is he the last Trump? Not completion, grace doesn't get completed. But I'm saying the full completion of the time of the church. And the church is raptured and God starts dealing with Israel. 
So I have one more. Okay, hold it. Oh, yeah. So if we are in 120, um, This, this uh, on the feast of trumpets, okay. <clears throat> ten days on the day of atonement, uh, the after the feast of trumpet of Rosh Hashanah on the day of, after <coughs> ten days after the day of atonement, the the jubilee ends. So we will start, uh, when will start, will start. It, another fifty will start. The new jubilee will start. So new jubilee will start. So the new jubilee will start, but. Rosh Hashanah is September 23rd. And before September 23rd, two days before is when Venus rises up and Rosh Hashanah starts. Did you check the video that I sent you? Yeah, the link was awesome. Regarding this constellations. Okay, by the way, constellations are from God. Do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know Do you know the names of the constellations God gave it? Okay, Job. Go, go back to Job. Because you need to know that, right? Job. Job. Yeah, let's go to Job chapter 9. I talked something about seven times in the earth. Yep, yep. Let's, let's read it, right? Let's read it. So you know that this is given by God. It's not man's idea. The, the, the story of the, uh, from virgin to Leo, is God put those story out there. From God, is going, Messiah is going to be born out of virgin. So God showed Adam this whole picture. That your seed will be born in Virgo. And then finally he will become the lion of Leo. And he told the whole story. Because they didn't have books that time. He was showing them the stars. The story. He told Abraham the same story. And showed them the whole star story. And said do you believe what I am just telling you. That your son, your seed will uh, pay the price. See, that's why Jesus said Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Hezekiah saw my day and rejoiced. Job saw his day and Rejoice. Remember Job said, I see my Redeemer in the last days. Though I will be dead, yet in my flesh I shall see Him. Hold it. He said, though I will die, yet in my flesh I will see Jesus. How? How? How will Job see Jesus in his flesh? The dead in Christ will rise first. They saw, all saw Jesus. And rejoice. I'm telling you, our job is no different. We all see Jesus and rejoice. In our sickness, we see Jesus and rejoice. We are constantly rejoicing. We are peace, man. We are peace. Okay, let's go. So you you made me open Job, so you might be here for some time. <laughs> You'll ask for it. No, no, I won't. I won't. I won't. I won't go. Don't make me open the Bible now. I'm trying to find it myself. But it is there though. Okay, let, uh, Job chapter 9, exactly. What, okay. Oh, this is such a beautiful chapter. It's such a beautiful chapter. This is Job talking about God. Okay. He says, how can I man? This is the chapter where Job complains. He said, Lord, Lord, Satan is coming against me. There is no mediator. This, this is not, it's not a good deal. I cannot argue with you. I need somebody who can put a hand on you and put a hand on me. Who is this somebody who can put a hand on me and put a hand on you? I, I can talk to him. He understands me and he will talk 
to you about me. Sounds like Jesus. Right? And that's his deed. He says, that's why Job's sufferings will never happen to you because you have an intercession. You know, Satan was trying to put Job's sufferings on Peter. And Jesus said, Satan asked to sift you as need, but I prayed for you. See? Suddenly there's a mediator. See? So Satan is asking God to sift Peter like Satan sifted Job. Correct? But God prays for Peter. Satan has a new problem that he never had this with Job. <laughs> so, Satan goes to God against Job. And then God prays to God about Job. That's not fair, Satan. Satan is like, this is not, this never happened before. It happened because Jesus was God. Satan is asking Jesus to sift him as wheat. Because Satan is Satan. And Jesus is not a man. Jesus is the God who allowed Satan to save Job. But for a change, he is on the earth. Hallelujah. And he still has to ask him the permission. Because who is God? Yahweh. Jesus. And Jesus and Jesus said, yeah, he did come and ask me permission. But I prayed. <laughs> yeah, I like that. When God himself prays for us, what kind of justice is that? Where God, where a judge himself is for us. That's why Romans chapter 8 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who is it who condemns? If God is the one who justifies. Hallelujah. I told you, don't open the Bible. But we're our But it is good. So look at this. Truly I know it. How can a man be righteous before God? If anyone wish to contend with him, he can answer him one. He cannot answer him one time out of a thousand. If God asks you a thousand questions, you cannot get it right once. (laughs) Job, Job got it. Job says, God is wise in heart, mighty in strength. Who has hardened himself against him and prospered? He removes the mountains and they do not know. When he overturns them in his anger, he shakes the earth out of his place and his pillars tremble. He commands the sun and it does not rise. He seals up the stars. He alone spreads out the heavens. He's talking about the constellations now. And treads on the waves of the sea. I don't know who did that. This is the Yahweh who treads on the waves of the sea. They actually saw him do it. Correct? He actually did it. So we know it is Yahweh who showed up on the Sea of Galilee. He looks like a man, but he is not man. He is man, but he's not a man. He's God. He's Yahweh. He is for you, brothers and sisters. He's for you. He's the one who treads on the waves of the sea. And look at what he says. He made the bear, the Orion, and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south. He does great things past finding out. Yet, he has wonders without number. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 1, I saw a great wonder in the sky. A great sign, a great wonder. That's a sign. Remember he means the constellations, the bear, the pleaders, the orion. These are constellations. Yeah, they are the constellations. So they're Virgo, Leo. There is a bear. There's a bear. 
It's the bear constellation. There is Orion. Orion is where the sign of the Antichrist is. That the uh, wounded one. Oh, I'll show you another picture of the rapture and the timing of this Revelation 12 sign. I don't know whether I should tell you right now, but okay, go back, go and read this website called Oracle, Oracle in the in Oracle in the Stone, Oracle in the Stone. This is a that in the stone, Oracle in the stone. This is about this stone. Stone. No, stone. 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 My accent. I can't. I can't change that. Okay. Stone. 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 Okay. Whatever. So it's about this. This the the great pyramid in Giza is prophesied in the Bible. He says, "I will raise. I will make a pillar in the border in the midst of Egypt." And it shall be for a sign. And he talks, that's the Great Pyramid of Giza. The Great Pyramid of Giza does not have any mummies. There is no tomb. They don't know what it is there for. Right? Go ahead and read it. It is in the midst of Egypt. Correct? But yet the prophecy says, I sh it shall be, I shall, there will be a pillar for the Lord in the midst of Egypt at its border. So it's two contradictory things. How can something be in the midst of Egypt but at its border? This is so cool. The great pyramid of Giza is in the midst of Egypt, but it is in a place called Giza. What is the meaning of Giza? Border. Border. Because it's the border between the northern... The border. It's the border of the northern Egyptian empire and the southern Egyptian empire and God made a pillar in the middle of it and guess what? In that pyramid, it's, what, it's the largest man-made man structure on the earth. In doing this, it has been there before the time of Noah's flood. Wow. Correct? Uh, yeah, I think it's before the times of Noah's flood. You can go back and check it. So it looks like a pyramid? It's a pyramid. It's so, a great so the Nephilim's didn't build that? No, no. Okay. It is, God said it's a pyramid that this is, it fulfills prophecy. Correct? It said it will be a sign to the Lord. At, in the midst of Egypt and, and it's a sign to the coming seed. So it has two chambers. It has two chambers, one going like this and one going down. Correct? So people have wondered, what is this pyramid? It has no holographics, no inscriptions, nothing. What it, it is, it has two more pyramids next to it, smaller. But now, when you look from the top, its position is exactly like Orion in the sky. When Orion appears on the top of the pyramid, the angle of these two chambers point to the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The angle, exactly, in history. And it bisects, the first coming of Jesus Christ, that angle bisects, if you take the latitude, it bisects Bethlehem in Israel. Pointing that my Messiah will come from the first time he will come from Bethlehem. And that angle below points to Jupiter in the, in the belly of the earth because Jesus went into the belly of the earth and that angle is exactly points to 3 BC. Exactly when Jesus showed up on the earth. The second angle <laughs> Hallelujah! Guess when it points? September 2017. 
the second advent shows up when Orion shows exactly up on this Giza pyramid. <laughs> Too many things happening in 2017. The first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And guess what? If that is not enough, that angle points exactly to Venus matching Regulus on the day before Rosh Hashanah. That means the second coming of Jesus for the church. So, so, so that, that one, so I'm thinking, because Orion was mentioned here. That's why I went there. Guess what? Right? So, it's too much stuff. This is God. This is God doing his signs in all the earth. It's for those times there were no books. But God had so, so Joseph knew the coming of the Lord. Everybody knew. It's all marked in the skies, in the heavens. Therefore, the, the wise men from the east knew exactly when Jesus is going to come. From the star of the regular constellation when it happened in Leo, they knew exactly Jesus is going to come in 3rd BC. They started walking towards it. So when they appeared, on the, when Jesus was a toddler, the uh, conjunction of uh, Jupiter in Leo again happened. Exactly. I go back, it was in uh, 3rd BC and two years later, again it happened. So two years before 2017, in 2015, the same sign that happened when Jesus was first born also happened. So exactly like the first coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ is also here. Now, are you ready for some more? Jesus said, there shall be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, Joel talks about it, there be blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. But then Jesus said, but when these things begin to happen, that means we are not waiting for the signs on the earth to happen. Lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption is not your soul redemption because you are already redeemed in your soul. You are redeemed in your spirit. It's your redemption of your body. Correct? The rapture of the church. So he says when these signs begin to happen, when the sun, signs in the sun, the moon and the stars. So is, has there been signs in the sun? Yes. Correct. No. Not, not yet. Not yet. It's happened for the Jews. But has the moon signs happened? The blood moons have happened, correct? That's a rare sign, blood moons which happen. So signs in the moon have happened. Signs in the stars, has it happened? Yes. It just happened. It happened in 2015 and the big sign is happening in the star. Exactly like Jesus promised. He said when these things begin to happen, that means don't wait for the signs on the earth. Don't wait for the signs on the earth. What are the signs on the earth? Joel talks about it. On the earth, blood, fire and pillars of smoke. What is blood, fire, and the pillars of smoke? This is what happens when the two witnesses are in Israel. And they call down fire from heaven. And they turn water into blood as often as they want. And there is smoke, pillars of smoke, which is when the Antichrist beast comes out from the bottomless pit upon the earth and starts persecuting people with, who have the mark of the beast. We are getting ready for crazy stuff happening. It's just getting ready to open up, right? Right? So, but he said, but Jesus is very clear. He doesn't want the church to go through blood. Correct? Because we have been redeemed from the blood. Our blood has been paid. Our avenger, avenger has already gone over our house. And he has killed the firstborn of our house. 
who is the firstborn over our house? Jesus. So the firstborn of my house has died. So I'm not going to have blood, fire and pillar of smoke for me. The adventure has come already for me. See, there's a judicial basis for your peace. Hey, did you understand today this whole business of judicial basis for your peace? At least there is peace and... So, is Hezekiah wrong in saying this escapism? I escaped! Is Hezekiah wrong in saying I escaped? No! That God says faith! And it purifies you. See, the church doesn't preach this. They doesn't preach this because they want you to suffer. But it doesn't matter. They're going up with you. <laughs> no one is going to be left behind. No one. Because the Bible says, of all that the Father has given me, I have lost none. Jesus said, of John the Baptist talks about Jesus' second coming. He said, he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor. You know what does mean thoroughly clean the threshing floor mean? Thoroughly clean the threshing floor. You know, have you seen the farmer thoroughly clean the threshing floor? Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it. Have you, have you all been in? Have you all seen farmers clean the threshing floor? Yes. Okay. So what are they doing in the threshing floor? When they say they thoroughly clean the threshing floor, what are they doing? They beat the. Uh... That is done. Beating off is done, and then they thoroughly clean the threshing floor means what? Yeah, yeah. So we they pave it. So they hit it, hit it, hit it. All the grains now are on the on the on the floor. Correct? So now there is chaff on the floor and there is grain on the floor. Okay? No, 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 the chaff flows away. Okay. After they beat with the wind. There is a lot of chaff flows away, but there is a lot of chaff on the floor. Correct? Now he has to burn the chaff. I mean, they're not doing anything with the chat. They mostly burn the chat. Mm-hmm. Now, it's like recycled and all that. Okay. It's recycle. No one gets recycled into the kingdom of God, right? <laughs> Only unquenchable fire. That fire does not die, according to the Bible, right? So it's unquenchable fire. Because the fire that came on Jesus was quenched. Because Jesus' sacrifice was greater than the punishment. Correct? Jesus was more than what was needed. So his, it quenched. We know that. So the Bible, John the Baptist says he will thoroughly clean, clean the threshing floor. Means what? Thoroughly clean the threshing floor. So he's got chaff down there and this wheat down there. What is he cleaning? He wants to make sure. What is he, why does J, John use the word thoroughly clean the threshing floor? Means he's saying, I will, huh? yeah. he, doesn't he doesn't want one grain. One grain to be left on the threshing floor. Because what's going to happen on the threshing floor? Because John, John, John the Baptist says, next verse, he says, For he will burn, he will gather the wheat into his barn, and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now you understand why it's so important. So there is no grain on the threshing floor saying, Left behind! <laughs> there is no grain on the threshing floor crying out, Left behind! Because that is a poor picture of a threshing floor work not done. Hallelujah. Somebody is not saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you all not glad that you all are not going to remain on the threshing floor? Because Jesus said he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor. 
So did you see the picture of the rapture there? You saw another picture of the rapture in John's John the Baptist prophecy about the end time. He said he will thoroughly clean the threshing floor. And the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The fire is coming. Because God is a consuming fire. But we have so much boldness in the day of judgment because we, <laughs> we are bricks. But we are stones. We have been burned. We in Christ Jesus, we were burnt and we were born again as living stones. Now we are done. You cannot burn us again. We are done. We are not afraid. Therefore, you remember in the in the Revelation, in the book of Revelation, when the church is raptured, the first sign of John the rapture. Okay, another picture of the rapture. He said, John, before all the judgments happen, this is what John says. I saw an open door in heaven and a voice like a trumpet. Correct? And I was caught up. I, again, the word, say, caught up. I was caught up, raptured. I was in the Lord's day and I saw, and I, what, the, what was the first thing he saw? He saw a, a throne was set before me and one seated on the throne. So he see somebody seated, correct? That's exactly what the Bible says. When you are raptured, so you want to know what happens when you see, when the rapture happens? This is what you see. When you are raptured, you will hear a sound of a trumpet. It will sound like a trumpet calling. Okay? Get used to it, right? Go to YouTube video. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's nothing more. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing more to do. I mean, you just have to. I mean, don't you know? If somebody says, Jesus says it is like a cry goes out at midnight, saying the bridegroom is coming. That's what exactly happened. It's a loud cry that goes. Jesus words. A cry goes out at midnight, not in the daytime, because it's a rapture for the church, correct? It goes out midnight, and the 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 bridegroom is coming. So that is the rapture. The rapture is not the bridegroom coming with the bride. No, that is not the rapture. That is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The rapture is the bridegroom is coming for the bride. The second coming of Jesus Christ is Jesus coming with his bride. Correct? So, you got that picture? So, so he said, a, a cry goes out at midnight. The bridegroom is coming and then all the 10, 12, 10 virgins, they get up and they trim their lamps. And they, they one said to another, one said they, have, they did not have oil and they ran out of oil. Interesting. Five ran out of oil. Didn't we study something about the oil today? Somebody's oil went to Egypt. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It just came, just came out right now. Why? Why did somebody's oil went to Egypt? Because they were depending on their works. So what did they say? The five virgins said to another, give us of your oil. Right? He said, we cannot. Lest we want have nothing. But then they said, they went out to go and buy. So now they are depending on the works of their hands. Because they are not receiving it. Freely. Your oil came to you freely. Their oil comes from buying and selling. So Israel goes out because they didn't believe the word. They go out to transact. They want to depend on their works of their hands. Therefore Jesus said he cast out. Two times he did. In the beginning of his ministry and towards the end of his ministry. He went into the temple and chased out everyone who bought and sold in the temple. Same thing. 
He doesn't want anybody buying and selling. Buying and selling means what? What does buying and selling imply? Buying and selling means you have something valuable to offer me. Got it? Got it, Rachel, you got it? That means when, when you interact to do a transaction with God, you are what you are saying is, I want what you have, God, but to get what you have, let me offer you what I have. Correct? Okay, so it's a transaction. So it presupposes that you have something valuable. That is evil. Like Cain's works were evil, that is evil. You cannot come to God offering a transaction model for this salvation, this oil. You have to come and say how? You have to come and say what? Come on. Come on. Recipe. Hosea, come on. Hosea, what do you say? Take away our iniquity. Come on. Receive us graciously. What have we to do with the work of our hands? In you the fatherless find mercy. Come on, man. Isn't it good? Everything is free. That means we have nothing to offer you. But we will offer you what? The sacrifice of our lips. Go and try that in any Walmart. <laughs> you know, you have this old cart and then you come to the cashier and say, we will offer you the sacrifice of our lips. That's not going to fly. In the world, it doesn't fly. That's why the Antichrist implements a system which no man can buy or sell. A transactional system. See, the Antichrist system is a transactional system. So while Israel is buying and selling under the reign of the Antichrist, the door is closed. And the rapture of the church has happened. See, do you see a picture of the rapture there? Did you see the picture of the rapture in that version? Okay, I don't, want, I don't want to hear that. Yeah. But, but did you hear the picture of the rapture? Yeah. Correct? Did you see the picture? There is a, you, you, if you are waiting for transaction to happen, it's too late. The rapture has happened for those who have received the oil freely. Your oil is gone to Texas. <laughs> but your oil is in Texas. It's not going to Egypt. You got that picture? Your picture is consistent. The pictures of the rapture and the coming of Jesus is consistent. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, we are in the year of the Jubilee. We are in the year, greatest generation that is it. The generation, okay. Now Jesus is a thing. When you see the fig tree bear fruits, leaves, when its leaves become tender and puts forth green leaves, or leaves, you will know that this generation shall not pass away. Correct? Remember when Jesus was on the earth, when he was about to go into death, he saw a fig tree. That had leaves. And what did Jesus do to that fig tree? He cursed it. Why did he curse that fig tree? It doesn't bear fruit. It only produces leaves. Why doesn't that fig tree produce the fruit? It was not the right time. No. No. Yeah. yeah. It, I understand for the season. But what does it imply? I'm talking about perfectly. What does it mean? We just talk about it. False righteousness. False righteousness. Remember, Adam and Eve were clothing themselves with fig leaves. Because they are trying to cover their righteousness and get false righteousness. And God said, not going to work. You have to clothe yourself with 
blood-stained skin. That is the Lamb of God. Correct? So we are clothed. So he says, so when Jesus, so when Jesus was going out of Jerusalem, Jerusalem was full with a false of religion, with denying the living sacrifice, the Messiah. Correct? So it is a fig tree with lots of leaves, false righteousness, but no fruits. Because the fruits will not happen. Fruit can only happen on a righteous fig tree. Who is the righteous fig tree? How do we know that? Because the Bible says, I have seen and heard him. Your fruit is found in me. So he is the righteous fig tree. Oh, by the way, I know. I, I need to share this one very powerful thing. Very important thing. That is why when Isaiah told, when Hezekiah had this wound that he was about to die, what did Isaiah tell? What to put on that wound? A potter's of figs. On your sickness and on your disease, you don't put your figs. You put the crushed figs of the Messiah. His fruit. And he was got it. Not your righteousness. Not your fruits. Your fruits are not going to heal you. Your fruits are going to kill you. But you put the fruits of the fig tree. The only fig tree that is righteous is which fig tree? The fig tree of Jesus Christ. He is the fig tree. That is righteous. And we are part. And he calls it, we are the, I am the wine. And you will bear much fruit. Correct? Correct. Now, my point is, so, the fig tree in Jesus' time was cursed. Amen? And said, look, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is dried up. He said, then he said, have faith and all that stuff. Okay, done. But he says, when the generation, when Jesus comes the second time, there's a fig tree that is still bearing green leaves. What is that fig tree? Jesus. No. It is the same fig tree. It's where? Trying to come back with what leaves? Green leaves. What leaves? Of false righteousness. So do you see Israel back in its land with Ju Judaism strong? Yes. But will this victory be cursed? No. What, what will Jesus do? So, that, so when did that fig tree start sprouting? Come on. No, that was when Israel, when Jerusalem came into 1948. Correct? 1947. 47. 67. No, that is 1967 when Jerusalem came back. When was the, the, the United Nations resolution for Israel? May 14, 1948. Okay. So. Correct. Uh, correct. Good. Good. 1948, where the fig tree came back. Correct? It starts bearing leaves right now. So when it came back, did it, uh, receive, did it receive the Messiah? No. Correct? It started back and then left off. <laughs> we are back in the land. We are good. We can start producing leaves. of Jesus, nothing, right? Back into the law. And the, you know. They're trying to produce. 
the leaves. I mean, this God just showed me some couple of months back. He said, this fig tree principle, he said, God is now dealing with the same fig tree. But this fig tree is now back in its land and it's starting to bear fruit. But it is not fully green. It's not full. During Jesus' time, why was it full of leaves? Why was it full of leaves? Because the temple was there. The sacrifice system was there. All the Sanhedrin was there. The elders and the chief priests were there. The whole shambag was there. The leaves was rich. But no fruits. No fruits. So, now, now we are, it's in a pathetic state, but it's back in its land. It is starting to produce green leaves, right? There is Judaism, there is there is righteousness. Because this talks about Romans chapter 10. It talks about Israel wants a righteousness, but that is not from the faith. Go and read Romans chapter 10. Right? So now he says, but why, why am I saying this? Because Jesus makes a prophetic statement. He says, that generation shall not pass until the rapture happens and the things that will follow. So that generation that saw the fig tree come and bear fruits, it starts to bear fruits, right? Sorry, to bear leaves. Leaves, correct? 1948 plus a generation in Israel is 70 years. Add 70 to 1948. Come on. No, no, no. But we are in that Hebrew year that is getting over of the generation that will not see. I mean, when God says, when, when the tribulation hits, Jesus says, it shall happen. That generation shall not die. Then they see the tribulation start in Jerusalem. So that so we get raptured and that generation will see the tribulation. So are we close? We're very close. We're very close, brothers and sisters. We, that is, so we are seeing, we are seeing the coming of the Lord. So I have to stop because me might not have too many life things before. But I'm saying this. But, but it is good for your guys to know. Okay, what happens if the rapture doesn't happen? No. Rapture doesn't happen or not. The times are closed. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how come you did not know the time of your visitation? When Gentiles came looking for me by looking at the stars, and here is Israel, did not know. I grew up in Israel. Did you know? According to Daniel's prophecy that I have to walk into Jerusalem this day. When he walked in, that was exactly the 69th week, that 62 weeks the Messiah would be cut off. Exactly that happened. Exactly as prophesied he walked into. So they knew. They could calculate. Say, God, Jesus said, how come you do not know? In fact, he, he kept commanding. He said, how come you don't know? And Paul kept saying, children, don't you know? And he says, as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of the saints. That's what I'm saying is, don't stop coming to life teams this coming month. Very important. I'm telling you, as you see, as you see the day approaching, because God is God, God is showing you because God is this is not my words. He says, as you see the day approaching, as you see the day approaching, you do not forsake the assembling of the saints. So I'm saying as, as you see the day approaching, you should be busy closing deals. Right? But Jesus' point is, why waste time? What are you going to do? As you see the day approaching, get together. Because you're going, you're going to hear the trump. 
Make it easy for people. Make it easy. Just like Jesus made it easy for the thief on the cross. He made it very easy. He said, he said what do you want? He said, remember me in your kingdom. Done. <laughs> like done. Didn't require anything. No water baptism, no training in the Holy Spirit, no fasting, nothing. Today you will be with me in paradise. Because all he did was, he did what Hosea did. What did Hosea tell him to do? I have heard and seen him. So, he, that, that was easy for him. All he had to do was, look, Jesus, heard Jesus. And God said, his fruit is found in you. And he was immediately got into paradise. Amen. Is that God? Is that easier? How easy is it? Right? Hallelujah. Let's just pray. Oh, wow. We talked so much. We talked about so much stuff, right? But we have not even taken the message that given it. But we need to talk about it a little bit. But I want you to take on this word. What have I got to do with the work of my hands anymore? Thank you, Jesus. If you can get the revelation of that truth, you can receive healing for your bodies, prosperity in your bank accounts, promotion in your jobs, your life partner, your career, your future, everything. God gives you a whole new Bible says, take out the stumbling block from the way of my people, the Lord says. God says, stop stumbling over this free thing. Stop stumbling and start receiving it freely. Are you ready to receive it? As you like, Hezekiah, can you see my day and rejoice that your seed has paid the price 2,000 years back. Jesus hung on that cross and on him all the glory of his spirit and all the glory of the Gentiles and everything hand and God took it down and cut him off and in him paid the price to make a seat sit with him in heavenly places and now therefore you are redeemed you are blessed you are being prospered you are prospered every sickness and disease has been removed far from you for oppression shall not come close to you for you are redeemed Lord Father, I pray and I pray for a supernatural anointing of the lips of my brothers and sisters, including me, right now, to speak, to offer to you the sacrifices of our lips, to receive with speaking, with words, the things that we struggled and toiled without works. Father, anoint our lips. The Lord says, my spirit that is upon Jesus I shall put it upon you. And the words that was where are, that, that was on Jesus, I will put it in your lips that you shall not depart from your mouth and from the mouth of your descendants from this time and forever. Favor-filled words in your mouth, God anoints you right now. God anoints you right now to ask for favor freely. Without adding works to it without adding your qualifications God anoints each one of you with supernatural words to receive favor from God because you all know you brothers and sisters you know how to ask you know how to ask Lord I pray for a supernatural anointing to ask in this place in this life team Lord though we are few O Master let what happens right now in this place impact nations O Master 
In our, in their prayers, in their requests, in their asking, do you know that out in this room is the potential for a billion souls of harvest in the same time? Because one of you is going to be bold enough to ask the Father, and the Father is going to freely give it because you asked. Not because you are righteous or holy because of your words, but because you freely asked. I will give your family to you. I will give you nations to you. I will give you the country to you. I will give you what you ask because you will ask and I will answer, says the Lord. That your joy will be full. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Lord, let this word go all around the world and let this bear much fruit, O Master. Because we don't see ourselves, but we see you. In you, we bear much fruit, O Lord. We are a green cypress tree from this day onwards. Oh, we thank you. Your fruit is found in me. We worship you. We thank you.